Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty, R.E. Lewis 2011, and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 29 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and this morning, Saturday, January 5th at 11.15, I'm joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law, Ryan, what's going on over there? I'm doing well. I'm well-rested. That's nice. Went to bed early on a Friday night because I'm lame, and I woke up relatively late, so I'm doing well. It sounds about right. I'm, like, sleep hungover at this point. Are you really? You sleep yeah. too much to the point where, like, it's almost a detriment to yeah. your day? like... 9 o'clock, 8.30-ish to about 7.30. I went to bed at 2, 2.30 and woke up around 9, so I'm feeling pretty good. Okay, that's about yeah. where you'd want to be. Yeah, that's pretty much how my body operates nowadays. But Ryan and I have a packed show for all you fine folks out there, because since no one, even Namara himself is quoted, been quoted as saying he has no idea what Kingdom Hearts is about, he actually blindly types on his computer, and then the computer programmers basically just pen out the story, and uh, it plays out in the game of Kingdom Hearts. It reminds me of most of my college essays. <laughs> they, yeah, that's kind of how all that went, yeah. Uh, Still uh, passed with flying colors Yeah, back in the college years. Yes. But other than that, what else have we got going on? Well, basically, what Ryan and I are going to do for this Kingdom Hearts <coughs> episode is we're going to, I am going to share what I believe the story is about. Ryan is going to... Actually, he's actually done some research, and he's going to explain to us what it actually is about. I'm also going to, since I've played all the games in the series, rank my favorites um, from just the mainline ones, none of the mobile titles and spinoffs. And the, well, basically all the handheld games and then the console games I've ranked. And then... Oh, so you have played them all. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Do you even know who you're you talking to? you still don't to? know what the story is? No, and uh, then we are going wow. to... I didn't know that. Talk about kind of our hype for Kingdom Hearts 3, which is freaking real. Like three weeks away. Yeah. So lots of fun stuff. But Ryan, before we get into the Kingdom Hearts stuff, how do we start the show every week? Uh, with what we've been playing recently. We usually would, but hot off the presses, okay. <laughs> we've got an article from Game Informer. It's all over the interwebs. Smash Brothers Ultimate Data Mine leads to fan DLC speculation. So... <laughs> Ryan and I and all the Smash fans out there have been greatly anticipating who these five DLC characters are going to be. Are we going to get Gino from Super Mario RPG? Probably not. Are we going to get Sora from Kingdom Hearts? Lord, I hope so. What about Banjo-Kazooie? Probably not because the list, hot off the presses, in my opinion, sucks. So basically... Whoa, 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 whoa. There's Minecraft on there. Like I said, the list <laughs> sucks. So... When Persona 5's Joker was announced as the first DLC character for Smash Bros. Ultimate, fans everywhere were certainly surprised. On stage, Nintendo of America president Reggie Filzame said that the Joker announcement sets the tone for the remaining four characters from the five fighter pack. First of all, if you can't even play the game on Nintendo platform that the character comes from, I just think that's kind of odd to me. Uh, I mean, it's a loved game, though. <coughs> Very, uh interesting choice and anyways he go the, the article goes on it took data miners until recently to break the game open revealing information important for competitive play like weight and speed values included in that information were values for three characters that did not have placement in the base roster dun, dun, dun. the labels are for pakachu paku which likely refers to piranha plants japanese name 
of Pakun Flower, Jack, which is likely referring to the already announced Joker, and Atlas's mascot character, Jack Frost, and a third character named Brave. The final name, Brave, has lit up speculation of who the third character could be, with a number of rumors not only backing up the speculation, but throwing other names in the mix. In early December, before the Game Awards, a poster on a Japanese message board claimed to know the contents of Smash Bros. Ultimate's Fighter Pack. The poster claimed that Persona 5's Joker would be joining, then went on to name Edric from Dragon Quest Three. What's up? <coughs> Happy about that. Is that. That's like the hero from the originals, right? I don't know about the original. It's just the, the main protagonist from Dragon Quest Three. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, the one before the newest. Yeah. Ryu Hayab- Hayabusu... Uh, probably butchered that name, but he's the ninja from Ninja Gaiden. Okay. The main character. I'm game for a ninja. Which, yeah, that, I think that's pretty neat. I mean, he could battle off against Grun Ninja. Sure. The Doom Marine from the Doom series, I think, is, again, very odd selection. I don't know who's clamoring for that. And then freaking Steve from Minecraft. Give me a break. Oh, yeah. They might as well put a Fortnite character. Oh, yeah. No. Okay. Minecraft's way better than Fortnite. <laughs> Could you imagine? Okay, so... I mean, he could do a lot of different things. I mean, he could summon freaking zombies or skeletons. Yeah, Banjo-Kazooie could go Like, his dark mode could be Herobrine. This means nothing to you. No, because Banjo-Kazooie could summon Mumbo-Jumbo, Jinjos. I'm not saying that Banjo-Kazooie shouldn't be in there. But have him replace Ninja Guy. Where do you have a ninja? I'm game for Minecraft. Or freaking Doom Guy. Who gives a shit about Doom Guy? Let's see some of these comments here on the Game Informer post. Um, it's actually a pretty balanced roster. You're wrong. Um, am I the only one who thought of Bravely Default? I don't know what you're talking about. <coughs> Sounds great. Ryu would be an awesome character, though I imagine the knockback off the stage would be brutal. Here we go. What's up? Monferno. He's even got little Chimchar here. 14 hours ago, posted hashtag Sora for Smash. Love it. That would be a good one, too. Another though. guy, Dr. Skipper Select. Less interested, no Banjo-Kazooie. Totally agree. A Dragon Quest character would be cool. I agree. That's it's actually a nice little choice there. I could see Sora playing a lot like a me, like the me sword guy. No, Sora <laughs> wouldn't be a little bitch. No, actually, the me's are pretty powerful. But I could see him using like the Kingdom Hearts three, uh, like those train things or like all those crazy like guns that well, Sora I think he'd has. Just be a very acrobatic character. He could yeah. probably have multiple Keyblades because there's you know when you click on the character when you select them on the screen, you can do different colors. No, that would selects. be awesome. So if he had like different keyblades from the game, like the the top eight keyblades from the game, I think would be freaking amazing. Oh yeah, and then like one would be the ultimate blade, and then even the dark one would be like Ryu or Riku. Yeah, how awesome would that be? I could play as Riku and Smash. And then his final <clears> smash <throat> would just be like Donald and Goofy just come in for like some crazy ridiculous attack to just wipe the people. And off then the... like Mickey jumps on their back and like blasts them with a beam of death. Nintendo. Seriously, make <laughs> how it, great would that be? Make it happen, or like the Lion King, like all of the Disney like people run in. Yeah, like just yeah, summon a bunch of like Mufasa and hell, Tinkerbell can come in and do her little fairy dust, with, like, whatever. A gun. Yeah, exactly. Just coming with like a Tommy gun, just blowing people away. <laughs> yeah. This is totally in character. I think so. I don't know. I thought that's like a really interesting article. I just wanted to read that because. I've lost, I mean, I lost a, a lot of hope after Piranha Plant was announced for the, you know, <coughs> upcoming DLC characters. Yeah. I think it's just really unfortunate that Reggie Filzamape essentially laid the groundwork by saying that Joker is basically um, indicative of the rest of the characters. People that are 
really unique, probably niche audiences would care about them, and it's not going to be like Waluigi. Yeah. Yeah. I was never a fan of Waluigi. Well, I, I never really wanted him either, but I mean, I'm just saying that's a that's a crowd favorite. People really yeah. want him to be in the game, which it is, it, if you think about it, it is odd because you have you have Mario, you have Dr. Luigi. Mario, Wal, uh, Waluigi, Luigi. Yeah. Why would or they not be have a taller version of all those guys? Well, I'm, I, again, I'm not calling out for it, but like yeah. it's well, I'm I'm just I'm still happy about just the base game. Me too. No, yeah. again, I'm being I, I'm being a little brat about it. Like I just yeah. I just want No, I, I totally agree though. Sora would be awesome. I don't have the nostalgia of Banjo kazooie but I'm sure I mean so many people do. So Yeah. Speaking of, so I'm going to send my records to Grant Kirkhope. Yeah, that's what you're saying. Okay. Now I'm gonna have him sign them because he gave me his P.O. box um, address. <laughs> and as long as I pay for the return shipping, he's going to sign all of that. But in that little care package, I'm going to include a note requesting him to be on the podcast so that I can interview him. And uh, I've already drafted out all the questions that I want to ask him, which is a laundry list of questions, by the way, because I've played just about all of his games. And I actually ordered Mario and uh, Rabbids Kingdom Battle for the Switch because he composed, oh, nice. he composed the soundtrack for that. And I listened to the two-and-a-half-hour soundtrack on um, at work the other day. And I was also listening to interviews of him and uh, just his creative process is so unique. You know, he talks about how you go to movies nowadays and there's actually a video on YouTube, you can look it up, that a guy runs up to people on the street and randomly asks them, hey, can you hum the tune to Star Wars? And someone will either do Darth Vader's theme or just the generic yeah. opening uh, text scroll. Or he says, like, sing Harry Potter. And people, of course, know any Harry Potter theme. But then he'll ask people, like, sing Iron Man's theme sing Thor's theme. And there's just, I have no idea what that is. I mean, you can maybe do the Avengers theme because it's yeah. as well, but you go into these bombastic AAA blockbuster movies nowadays and you walk out not rem remembering any of the tunes because there's nothing that sticks. And he, in all of his games, uh, you know, mm. he whenever he composes something, he always kind of attacks it in a way that what's going to make people remember this little tune yeah because i don't, back I don't in think i could name i could do the harry potter i could do the star wars one i don't think i could do any other ones really mm -hmm. probably lord of the rings i could do <coughs> what do you mean probably howard shore are you kidding me of course you could i do could that. definitely do lord of the rings hans zimmer does like you know the dark knight theme he did or the dark knight soundtrack What's a dark knight theme well just the whole soundtrack is really oh, okay. gripping um of course, he did Pirates of the Caribbean, Interstellar, a lot of really good movies. And all of his music is really beautiful and very unique. Each each movie, I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean has a very similar theme. But from Pirates of the Caribbean to Dark Knight to Interstellar, they're wildly different. Yeah. That is crazy. I never thought about that. You don't because you're there. You're, I mean, again, it's... I, I see... And that's I mean, the problem. That's the I see problem. it more as ambiance opposed to like a iconic theme. And it shouldn't be like that though, because back in the '80s, music was <laughs> tied to a specific character. And what Grant Kirkhope was talking about was when people address him or request that he do the soundtrack for a game that they're developing, they basically tell him, "Listen, we're telling the story. You tell people how they should feel about it." And that's what movies should do. Yeah. There's a story there that should evoke some sense of feeling. 
but the music is really what sets the overall tone. Mm-hmm. You know, dirt when Tom Holland, Spider-Man, was passing away in the arms of Iron Man, if, like, like Rick Roll was playing, or, like... <laughs> oh, my bitches! Yeah, like, some ridiculous, like, Kendrick Lamar song yeah. was playing, you'd just be like... What my is, humps, my... Yeah, like, what is happening right <laughs> like, now? Sorry, I'm getting a call. <laughs> but you need kind of an ambient, somber, depressing tone to kind of sell that moment. Yeah. And that's what Grant Hope, Kirk Hope does so well in all of his games, and that's why I want to talk to him about his creative process, how he still... Um, where he gains influence from, you know, mm-hmm. in today's day and age when there are a lot of soundtracks that aren't very inspiring um, and moving. So, yeah, I'm really excited about it. If he says no, not a big deal, but even if I can get him on for 30 minutes, and he's someone that I think would be okay doing it because, like, again, I was able to find dozens of interviews from people that weren't overly reputable sources, just people that enjoyed podcasting. And anytime I reach out to him on Twitter, he either likes anything regarding his games when I tag him or even when I said in a thread because someone posted a picture of Perfect Dark. And they said, listening to one of my favorite soundtracks, I responded saying, oh, I have it on vinyl. Trust me, it sounds ridiculously better. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just hope someday Grant Kirkhope could sign it. And he just responded, I can do that. You yeah. know, like, there's not many people out there that are that willing to be supportive of his fans. Yeah. And he's that person. That's so cool. really looking forward well, to it. seems like to- he cares. I mean, if you put that amount of time into, I mean, generally music people really care about music. Mm-hmm. Like, you're one of them. Yeah. Like for me I I enjoy listening to it but I don't have that like passion behind it cuz I can't remember like tunes or like names or like all that jazz. But yeah, I could see him. And there's some like, people that record music that are just arrogant assholes like <laughs> um the Oasis brothers, uh the Gallagher brothers. Who's that? They're the the creators of the band Oasis. Okay. The band fell apart because they were just again arrogant assholes and yeah, but I mean, if I would ask them for an autograph, they'd just be like, well, screw you. They can't talk. They can't even Yeah, okay. Sense. I was going to be like, do they really sound like that? No, they do. You listen to an interview, it's like they can't even, you can't comprehend what they're saying. Okay. But anyways, Ryan, we have a podcast talking about video games and things. Yeah. We should probably get on that. Yes, we should. So how do we start the show every week and let, before, when I don't interrupt you? We talk about games we've been playing. We talk about the games that we've been <laughs> playing recently. Ryan, what have you been playing this week? I have been playing Dark Souls 1. Who would have um, thought? Yeah, so it's only been three days since we recorded last because mm-hmm. we recorded, what, New Year's? Yeah, it was Monday. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I guess it's been a little bit of time. So we've been playing Dark Souls. <coughs> and um, I've been enjoying myself. I don't know where I left off last time. I think I beat the two bosses... Um, Ornstein and Smo, which yep. you have now seen. Yes. So I didn't want to spoil that entrance for you. Um, I beat them, and then I beat one of the lords. Um, I beat Seath the Scaleless. Did you ever get to Seath? Yeah. Okay. Did you cut off his tail? Dude, I, I lost. Okay. Yeah, so the first fight, you have to lose, right? Yes. And then you get sent to this area of stairs, and you're, like, locked in this cage. You kill this, like, little lizard guy. You grab the key to unlock into this giant, what seems like, tower. And once you do that, then these guys, like, alert these nasty, like, Ursula-looking things that just start coming up the stairs chasing you. And now these lizard guys are chasing me up the stairs, and I'm just like, oh, these guys are going to be easy to kill. And they, like, ran right past me. They were like, oh, we're not worried about you. We're worried about these nasty squid things that are coming up the stairs. 
So I was like, what the heck? So I ended up killing all the squid things. They actually, with my sword, died pretty easily. Yeah, it was like one, two hits. Yeah. And made my way back to, what's the boss name? Seath. Seath. So I, went, I made my way back to Seath. It's a really beautiful area. It, with but all not, the yeah, it wasn't easy. So you basically find, as Dark Souls often does, the paths always connect well to get you back to a bonfire. Mm-hmm. So you pull this lever, open up the bookcase, save, then you go down these, this staircase into this open fielded area. It almost looks like a Legend of Zelda yeah. kind of backdrop. And there's all these like little frost giants scattered around the map. And you go down into this crystal cave area that is really difficult to navigate, let me yeah. tell you. Because not only are these these long structures that you can't even really tell if it's the correct path that you're supposed to be walking on. Because I slipped up the side a few times. Dozens of times. Or, you know, you got frost giants you're running away from. You got frost giants in front of you. They smack you, and their hit detection is, like, so wide that you, like, fall back, like, five feet. And just... Did you make the mistake of hitting one of those butterflies? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Definitely a mistake. Yeah, so I killed all the frost giants. There was this this long bridge where this golden frost giant yeah. was, like, chasing me. I got, I got rid of him, and perched up on this ledge mm-hmm. is what seems like the moonlight butterfly. From earlier in the game when you're in Dark Root Garden. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, just like a like a reboss fight type of thing. You know, Moonlight Butterfly I killed in like three hits. I got this. <coughs> Walk up to that sucker, and he like immediately flaps back, so I didn't get a chance to hit him. And then it's just like shooting energy balls at my face, like little crystal shards. Yeah. And I'm just like, clearly this is not where I was supposed to go. And at this point, you also Again, there's no clear direction as to where you're supposed to be going. Literally, there's no clear direction. No, and there's no, like... Because, you know, for people that don't know Dark Souls, there's, like, these little three red, like, marks on the ground that kind of indicate another player who's played Dark Souls can create a comment to kind of instruct you, like, hey, don't open this chest because it's going to attack you and eat you. Yeah, hey, which is a thing, which is crazy. Before you go into a certain area, they might say, hey, watch out on the right, and the like a little skeleton guy comes on the right and whacks you. Yeah. So it's really pretty neat because otherwise, if you played this game day one and you were the person that had to write those comments, you would have had to learn a You've lesson. You've been eaten by chests. Yeah. You've been mobbed. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> again, there's no clear direction in, the, in this crystal cave area. So this butterfly thing shooting these shards, and I was just like, I, I, I can't even look around where I'm supposed to go because I'm too concerned about this butterfly thing. Plus I only had like one Estus flask. I was just like, I'm I'm just going to jump off the edge, go back to the bonfire and restart. So that's what I did. Come to find out because I had to watch a walkthrough. You basically have to walk on invisible bridges to get to Seath again. So I did that. And at this point I had to fight my way through because you get to another large open area before you walk through, um, the, the fog to get to Seath. Oh, the freaking crabs. And the, the nasty crab things. And I was just like, what the heck? <laughs> and so those things wrecked my health. I only had like one or two S-Disc. Got into the the fog because I was just like, screw these like little mushroom crab guys. I, I'm just going to need to fight Seath. Of course, I go through the fog and like five of them follow me in there. <laughs> and so then Seath just, I was trying to get back to his tail, but his... His reach is so ridiculous when he's like, he's basically the ice titan from Hercules, just Mm. like shoots like ice at you. And these icicles come through the ground and like overstay their welcome. So like you'll get hit, you'll lose a bit of health. And then it like the game recognizes that like, oh, there's like these ridiculously giant shards going up your butthole. And then you like 
flail away and get hit, lose a bunch of health. Long story short, Ryan, I got wrecked by Seath. Okay, so the second time, crabs can't follow you, or the oyster things. Okay. So that's good. (laughs) And then, like, because I basically beat him my first time, and I was, like, one hit away, and then I was like, I'm hitting the wrong tail. Because there's, like, those two flailing tails on the side. Every time I hit him, his his health would regenerate. Yeah, so you have to break that crystal shard. Um, There's, like, a glowing crystal thing. Oh. So he's invincible otherwise. Gotcha. Yeah, that's it. Okay, because I did watch a walkthrough on how to beat him, and I saw someone walk over, like, this pole in the ground. Yeah, so the pole is, like, a crystal... There's, like, a side mission with a wizard that explains, like, like Big Hat Joe or whatever his name is. And it, he basically is reading through the library, and he's like, I found the way to defeat Seath. It's like, you have to break that, and that's where he's invulnerable otherwise. Freaking Dark Souls, man. I know. <laughs> um, so if you, what you do is you run around him next to that thing, you wait for him to get closer, and then... You hit that when he's close to you, and then you run behind him and hit the big tail, like, towards the end of it. And then you get the Moonlight Greatsword. And then from there on, you can just kill him. Okay. That's good to know, because I was getting really frustrated, and I was just like... <laughs> yeah, no, you won't be able to hurt him otherwise. Okay. Good to know. But, yeah, make sure it's not the two little tails, but it's the big tail in back, because I tried to cut off his wrong tail. Okay. His third leg. <laughs> yeah, basically. But other than that, like, I've been really enjoying my return to Dark Souls. Um, a lot of really memorable areas. I would say the boss fights aren't as memorable for me as Bloodborne just because, I don't know, that that experience and those those creatures were much more... Disgusting. Ridiculous, yeah. I mean, here, again, Dark Souls came out 2011. I think Bloodborne came out like four or five years later, so... Bloodborne just felt more unique. Yeah. But still, I mean, Dark Souls is one heck of an experience. <laughs> Once you go through Dark Souls 1 and then you get into Dark Souls 3, which has the same graphics because it came after after Bloodborne, you'll be like, holy shit, this, yeah. is, this is great. No, I'm looking forward to it. I mean... I want to play through that one with you as well. Yeah, no, we'll do that. Uh, I, I like the music because it's it's not as like smack in the face mm-hmm. but when you're in a boss fight it again it makes you feel like oh crap because you have like these ladies in the background just like oh it's like, a bunch of choirs basically yeah it's really eerie and then firelink shrine is probably my favorite music in the game because pull up firelink shrine on your phone i'll do it okay <coughs> it's uh it's just also really i don't even know how to explain it I'll play it and allow the listeners to feel how they feel. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, and you've actually beaten bosses that I didn't. I beat uh, Sif, the dog with the Artorius blade. How amazing was that? That was a lot of fun. Was Um, it the first time you'd fought fought Sif? Yeah. So even in your first playthrough ever, you never... Yeah, this is my first time I fought him. Dude, how crazy was that when you walk up to this statue and you're just like, I know something's going to come out of nowhere, (laughs) and you basically... A cutscene starts... And this giant gray wolf just like comes yeah. from out of nowhere with it. And then it's basically um, Amaterasu from Okami because it carries like a sword in its mouth. Yeah. Or uh, Rapide from Tales of Asperia. That's a game you should get. Tales of Asperia is a Japanese RPG that came out on the PS3 way back in the day. I think in Japan only. And then it eventually made its way onto the Xbox 360 here <coughs> in America. Really outstanding RPG 
from the Tales of series. The only Tales of game that I've actually enjoyed thoroughly. One I think you'd like. It's coming to Switch and PS4, I think, later this month. And it's, I think, retailing at 40 bucks. Okay. You should check that out. All right. I got Firelink Shrine up here. Probably going to have to listen to it in a quick ad. Oh, no. Listen to this. Super calming. I like the plucking of the strings. It just evokes like these this feeling of gr- grief and despair and just loss. Yeah, that and somewhat safety be compared to the music in the rest of the game. Totally. It really is. Like, this is your home. This is your safe zone because you step into the graveyard back there, you're going to get wrecked by a bunch of skeletons. What's really cool and what I've been... I found out playing through Dark Souls 3 and now going back to Dark Souls 1, I'm finding that it's the... the Dark Souls 3 got it from here, is... The people you find out in the world, like the wizard that you find going towards that, um, the gaping dragon when you open up one of those rooms, mm-hmm. and you send it back to Firelink Shrine, there's a lot of people you can send back to Firelink Shrine to, like, buy spells, to buy pyromancers. That's interesting, yeah. I mean, I guess I talked to these people, <coughs> and I guess I never made the connection when I went back to Firelink. They were just chilling in different areas. Yeah, like, so you can rescue a lot of different people. Like, there's a guy who's, like, a faith dude who, like, does whatever miracles and then like i have two wizards currently just chilling nice on my uh, switch yeah cool yeah so like in sen's fortress so on my switch playthrough i'm a wizard and then i i just got my stats up to enough to do the black You're a wizard harry i am but not cool yet because i'm basically dead yeah <laughs> but i'm using the same that like black knight's greatsword and then i'm gonna i'm just leveling up my stats to that and then the rest is gonna be magic Nice. So it's going to be like, cause mostly because I want the Moonlight Greatsword because it's a magic intelligence uh, weapon. Um, but I glitched my way through the Sen's Fortress wall so I could unlock the Big Hat Joe who sells like high-level sorceries. Oh, okay. So. What are you currently wearing as a wizard? Um, currently I'm wearing the like red outfit with like this bird crow mask kind of thing that you find in... Um, What's a place with Quaylag? Blight Town. Blight Town. I, yeah. I said Twilight Town. <laughs> a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bunch of nobodies there and it's heartless. <laughs> Basically. Um, yeah, so that's fun. Yeah. So the magic in this game works a lot different than Dark Souls 3. Uh, Dark Souls 1 that you have like a specific number of casts mm-hmm. that you can do per spell. That's right. Yeah. In Dark Souls 3, it's you have a magic bar. Like I'd rather have mana. that. Does it regenerate? Yeah, you, you can use, like, you have a number of Estus flasks, uh-huh. and you can either allocate them to mana regeneration Estus flasks. I like that. Or Estus flasks for health. How do you increase your Estus flask count? Because I have five right now. And I know if you go to Firelink, you can get ten. I have not looked into that. I was going to. I know the max you can get is twenty. Because I was going to say, like, I was watching a playthrough last night, and he had, like, <coughs> sixteen Estus flasks. And I was just like, what the heck? Yeah. No, um, you can get up to twenty. I don't know how that is. Um, if you kill all the fire keepers, you can get... Um, like higher amount of Estus per flask. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But I don't want to kill like Quaylag's sister, the girl at the like spider who's just sitting there. Oh. Because I feel bad. Yeah. 
Um, because her backstory, she's basically the daughter of chaos, like the chaos over like consumed their mother. Mm-hmm. And then the daughters were there like Quailag's one of the daughters. So Quailag would actually take the humanity of like the undead, like you and feed them to her sister who's blind and just sitting at that, uh, bonfire. Gosh, that's sick. And it's, it's sad. And then there's like the rest of them, like the other siblings are at, throughout the area over there. Like, and they also have a brother. Who just is inter- like eternally tortured, basically. Of course, I mean as like, a yeah. like a protection of the sister's shrine, because he like misses her because she died. Yeah, and then like at the very end, one of the Lord souls is the mother, like a corrupted version of the mother, who is the um, the better chaos. Well, yeah. So like you can like one of the sisters who's like abandoned the family and kicked out. She's like, can you help me? Uh, like rid my family or like release my family and basically kill all everyone. Because they're they've been tortured for a thousand years, so they kind of that's about time. Yeah, <laughs> good enough. I mean, yeah. Well, I think I will <coughs> certainly be finishing Dark Souls maybe by the next recording. We'll see. Um, I also downloaded another game, a 3D platformer, Ryan. I'm not surprised that came out like <gasps> this console generation. Really? Yeah, it's a little indie title. It was like two dollars. Okay, cool. And I was just like. Pfft, Two bucks, come on, yep. take a cup of coffee. And uh, I'm not going to say the name. Keep it a little cryptic. Impressions next week. Okay, sounds so, good. Uh, so you've been playing anything else? Just a lot of Dark Souls? <laughs> no, just Dark Souls, um, both on the Switch with my main character. Well, the second I learned that you're like being five or six bosses more than I had, I'm like, oh, I should focus more on the PS4 version. Mm-hmm. But I was trying to get up my Switch version because it's a different play style. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So the other game that I played this week was more of Donkey Kong 64, of course. Okay. So I have about 120 gold bandanas now, I think. Wow. So I'm a little, like, maybe 55, 60% of the way through. And I ended up beating <coughs> that stupid dragonfly guy that I was talking about really? last week. Yeah. Basically, what you have to do is... How'd you screw it up? Well, so I was just trying to, like, punch him, you yeah, know? I what you need to that. do is you need to do your wind-up punch two times. Okay. And then punch him a few more times before you shrink back down. Oh, so maximize damage. Exactly, because you have to essentially dodge these TNT things, or his he like sprays fire at you. Yeah, you yeah. Have to dodge those things. Then he lands. You throw the TNT at him, and then you a little box appears. You can jump in it and turn it into Hunky Chunky Kong, wherever the heck he is. Yeah, I watched. Yeah, his yeah. little power up thing. Yeah, but the listeners didn't watch me, Ryan. Yeah, that's that's true. We are in a podcast. Yeah, we no visuals. Yeah, we got to relay things to people. But anyway, so I turned into Hunky Chunky Kong, hit him two times, my little power-up, punched him a few more times, Rocky style. Nice. And eventually knocked him off into the lava, and I watched his corpse burn into ashes. <laughs> Gosh, I love doing that to people. I know. It's good times. Good times. So anyways, I got to the next level, which is... Get on my level. I want to verify this, because actually, I think it's called Crystal Cave. Oh, no. Seath. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Go into the strategy guide. Oh, you have a bookmark. Is that where you are? Yeah, dude, look at that. Crystal Cave. Check that the out. The graphics are slightly improved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... I'll probably beat Seath in both Donkey Kong 64 and Dark Souls 1. <laughs> Can you and imagine? Re- and report back. Donkey Kong running around with, like, a great moon blade. That'd be awesome. Like, just impales... The King DDD or whatever. No, that's Kirby. K-Rule. K- K- King K-Rule. Yeah. Just goes up to him, 
just shoves it through his gut, comes out his back, and he's just like, oh, shit. Like, he's like starts spewing like green alligator blood. He, he's like, I thought you were going to come out with me with bananas. He's like, he turns around, sees his bro Seath in the background, <laughs> and just like eviscerates. I can't say that one. But yeah, yeah, he just kills him with yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> then Ryan thumbs it down to keep it G-rated so we don't get the explicit tag on this podcast. Yeah, that would have been bad. Um, yeah, so that's all I've been playing this week. Looking forward to playing this little uh, indie 3D platformer here. And uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 on the horizon, Ryan. Yeah. Good stuff. I'm excited. Good stuff ahead. All right, let's get into <laughs> listener questions, Ryan. How can listeners write into the show? Uh, using Instagram, uh, Twitter... Email and um, Discord. Right. All links to yes. those things in the show notes. Ari Lewis 2011 is my thing that you can follow on Twitter, Instagram. You want to write into the show, the Gmail is otakabrotherspodcast at gmail.com. We got a question from the Instagrams that I posted last night. Only got one from executive producer of the show, Travis. Sup? Smelliest smell you've ever smelled, Ryan. <laughs> Does the smell smell smelly? Smelly cat. Well, that's a quote from SpongeBob. No, it's uh, a smell that smells smelly. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, was it Mr. Krabs? Oh, that that actually sounds very familiar. Yeah, yeah, a smelly smell that smells smelly. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it was Mr. Krabs, I think. Um, oh gosh. It would have to be like something like mold, like yeah, decaying food or something like that. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the worst smell that I've smelled. Yeah, because like if you have raw chicken and you don't cook it on time. <laughs> yeah, and then you you open up the little Tupperware container of it like a week and a half, two weeks later, it smells like butthole. Yeah, and I was trying. I like I left some food out and like because I wanted to see how quickly bacteria formed on it and like mold did. Because I was doing an experiment. Well, if you leave a Big Mac out, it looks the same 40 years later. Well, I didn't go with the Big Mac. I went with, like, the normal food that I tell Lauren that we're going to age like a fine Big Mac. Look the same forever. (laughs) (laughs) Mystery sauces included. Yeah. Um, No, I, uh, yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah. Nice. Well, I think for me, fun little story. The second concert I ever went to, the first concert I went to was Bon Jovi. Back in 2005, when Have a Nice Day came out. Great concert, by the way. The second concert I went to, my buddy's dad, this is my freshman year of high school, got tickets to ACDC. Ooh. And he could add, he could bring one friend. And he and I like weren't super close. Yeah. But he knew that I was like the greatest ACDC fan in the entirety of our high school. Yeah. And he chose me to go. <coughs> so his dad's actually a cop. Oh. And we got decent seats. I actually I still have pictures and videos so of I it. Hide my meth. <laughs> yeah. So we were up in the yeah exactly. No, we we were up in the uh, the stands, of course. And concert just about to kick off. The opening band goes off the stage, and you know Brian Johnson runs out with his raspy voice, and you know they start playing, you know whatever song they were, they they started the show with, and uh, very hazy the crowd began to be. Yeah. And. Uh, I thought I smelled a skunk, and I asked uh, Mr. Elkins. I'm like, hey, Mr. Elkins, why does it smell like a skunk? And he's like... But this is also snuck a, a skunk-taming performance. So he's like, Rusty, that is the smell of weed. 
And I was like, or marijuana, I think is what he said. And I was like, I'm assuming you're not arresting anyone tonight. And he's like, no, it's all part of the experience. (laughs) (laughs) So we got high with the crowd. (laughs) So that was my first uh, experience smelling that. It's all part of the experience. I've used that so often Oh, it's perfect. Yeah. (laughs) But anyways, so that's, I guess, at that particular time was definitely one of the worst things I've ever smelled. Skunks in general, gross. When you're driving, it's just like, oh, Mm, someone hit a skunk. The smell of sulfur. Mm Mm-hmm. Gotta love it. So a couple people... Uh, Sulfur's really bad, too. I had a chem lab where we had a sulfur thing. We were doing something with sulfur. And uh, gosh, if you want a smell that lasts with you and sticks on your clothes, sulfur's definitely the way to go. Yeah. And Um, it's also the smell of demons, apparently, according to Supernatural. Yeah. Sup, Dean. (laughs) Hello, good sirs. This is Nick Soriano. I think if I remember correctly, this is um, Nick Knack. Old friend from YouTube and Pete's stuff and yeah, good guy, friend of the show. Anyways, hello, good sirs. Hope I'm not too late to ask some Kingdom Hearts related questions on this show. I actually came in real hot last night, Nick, so don't worry about it. 12.22 a.m. Wow. Is when this uh, email came in, so perfect. He says, on a side note, thanks for the compliment on my name saying it sounds like Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah, because it's, uh, this is Wonderev. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's his, his, his uh, email address. It's actually a combination of both my parents' names, and if you think mine's mine is unique, my siblings have some interesting ones as well. Nice. Thanks again, like always, and keep up the good work. Thanks, Nick. Question number one. If you were Hades and you decided to hire any Square Enix character that hasn't appeared in a Kingdom Hearts game to fight Hercules to the death, which character would it be? Wow, that's a great question. Hmm. I'm trying to think. Square Enix. I would, um... I think Lightning would pretty be pretty awesome. Yeah. Isn't there, like, a side game where Lightning, it's like a battle royale? Yeah, that is uh, Duodecim, uh, Dissidia, Final Fantasy 0-1-2, Ryan. <laughs> thank you for asking. Yeah, that's the exact thing I was thinking of. Yeah. Probably one of the characters from Nier Automata, like a cyborg with like a a blade that can like teleport around. I think that character's cool. name is like BB or something like that or NB or. They have like a a code name. It's like a letter. A okay, six, I think Agent Forty Seven, Agent G. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I think Lightning would be sweet. Lightning would be cool. I did like Lightning. Um, I'm trying to look through all of these games. VV, come on. I think Vivi appeared in uh, Twilight Town. Is Tomb Raider really a Square Enix game? Well, the reboots are. Okay. Originally, it was like Eidos. I no, like um, I think Eidos Titus would be cool, too. From Final Fantasy X? Yeah. I've always liked that character. I think Vivi would be great, even who's, though he, who's Vivi? he, appeared, uh, he appeared in uh, Twilight Town uh, when you were Roxas running around with all your little friends eating ice cream or whatever. Vivi? Like two Vs? V-I-V-I. One of the greatest Final Fantasy characters ever. Dude, you gotta play Final Fantasy IX. Well, aren't they remastering it? No, that's seven. Where have you been? Vivi would be cool. Uh, apparently not paying attention to numbers. Yeah. Uh, Vivi would be great. Lightning's my number one. <laughs> great question. Really like that. Yeah, name. I like that. Question number two. Favorite fight from any Kingdom Hearts game? Hmm. Well, first you, one that you came would probably to be uh, the winged dude. Yeah, I was gonna say the first fight that comes to mind is Sephiroth 
in Olympus Coliseum. Yeah. Because I love his his blade is so awesome. Just a giant like katana. Yeah. That's like a hundred feet long. Yeah. Plus um, the one winged angel music is just amazing. One of the best composed Nabuya Umatsu soundtracks Kingdom or Hearts. tracks ever. I really liked the scythe guy from Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories. The uh, scythe guy. There's a dude with the scythe. Oh, from Organization 13? Yeah, so let me... I don't have their weapons listed. I love Axel with his like, little... Uh, I do like that. I think it's Lexius. Um, Sounds about right. Yeah. Gosh, they have ridiculous names for Organization 13. Um, but there, he's like pink-haired and he has a scythe. That was a cool one. Um I really like the battle as much as I struggled with it, the Sora versus Roxas. Mm. In Kingdom Hearts 2? Yeah. I thought that was a cool battle because he's, like, Sora dove into his, like, the depths of his heart to battle his, like, other self or dark self for control, basically. Mm -hmm. And it's just cool. Nice. That was cool. It sucked because you walk into, like, the other world... And then you're just ambushed by Roxas. And I remember that fight being really difficult. Another one favorite for me <coughs> is also in Kingdom Hearts 2 when you're just in this open field with like a thousand Heartless and you have two Keyblades. Yeah. And you're just wrecking house. Dual wielding. Um, I didn't really like any of the final boss ones. Yeah, they're not particularly Anselver memorable, and, um, I don't think. Xemnas. And more than anything, they're just kind of a pain in the ass, honestly. They are. Yeah, you're kind of glad they're done. I did like the Xemnas fight where he was wearing black and white and you fought with the Riku. Oh, yeah. That was awesome. And then you, like, tag team, like, pushed him up and helped. Yeah. That was cool. It was a cool cutscene opposed to, like, actual fight because the fight was rough. I loved it in Kingdom Hearts 2. Just this is more of, like, my fanboyism for um, the Lion King was when you fight Scar. Plus, I mean, it's, I think it's just so awesome. Your little lion cub holding a keyblade. Yeah, that was cool. And then that like giant elephant thing at the end. Do you remember that one? No. Like there was this giant beast thing that you had to fight at the end. Oh, that sounds about right. Because yeah. he was like an actual heartless thing. Yeah. Then you had to fight. Yeah, you had to fight Scar, and he was like zooming around the map, and you're like, "Holy crap!" Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait for you to be the pelt on Hercules. Yeah, that was a great little <laughs> Easter egg in that yeah, movie. it was. Um, I'm trying to think. I think those are the main ones. Yeah, I mean, I, if I had, like, a list of, like, boss fights, I'd probably be able to better articulate this. But, again, Sephiroth really kind of is the first one that came to my mind just because... Did you fight that, like, ghost demon-y thing on the clock tower in Peter Pan? You did that one. I did, yeah. I How was that? I really made an effort to... <laughs> When I, when I played on the PS4, yeah, bite or feet, gosh, can't talk, fight all of the optional bosses. Yeah. And so that was one. There was one in Aladdin that was actually really cool um, in Agrabah. Yeah, that's a really cool one, too. A lot of those optional bosses actually are pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, the Phantom in Neverlands wasn't particularly memorable because you kind of fight that thing in the beginning of Kingdom Hearts 1. Um you, I, I feel like you fight that particular boss with like kind of like the this, the tentacle hair multiple times. But yeah, yeah, a lot of those optional bosses are pretty sweet. Yeah. So good stuff. Yeah, good question. Uh, number three, he says, should the series as a whole end with three, 
Or would you like to see it continue on with more spinoffs and even a fourth game? So considering we're not talking about John Carpenter's Halloween, I think Namara needs to tie a bow on this game. I think it needs to be conclusive where if you want to expand the universe of Kingdom Hearts, I'm never going to argue with that. Um, I don't want to wait 15 years for another game, but I think it's... I'm always happy to play more Kingdom Hearts because as, as Disney continues to release more movies to be able to explore those worlds with those characters, yeah. I'm all for. But... Since we waited so long for this game, I think Namara will make this game <coughs> relatively conclusive. I think it will be a conclusion of at least the Sora timeline. Um, I don't know how many games are in the series. With We have one and two, obviously, but you have all the, so, the side stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think three. They've done, like with the eight games, enough to make this the final one. Yeah. Wrap up. I mean, really, the first one, not to get into, like, the story, uh, the first two games were really just killing off both of Master Xehanort's Nobody and Heartless, Mm -hmm. which allows for him to come back. That's all the story has been so far. So I think this third one is, now that you have Master Xehanort back in the uh, main timeline, defeating him and stopping a Keyblade War. Yeah. And I think that's how you'll end it. And there's going to be some climax or whatever, as there usually is. But I think you have to wrap up the Sora timeline. And like you said, you can branch off and do prequels and things. Yeah. But nothing with Sora. Like, I don't want to see a 65-year-old Sora swinging a Keyblade. No. I can see him being the new, like, wizard in the tower. Yeah. Or <laughs> what the hell is that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, or like... I could see him training like people to be a master, mm-hmm. even though Sora isn't a Keyblade master yet. Everybody wants to be a master. <laughs> he like has P- that would be a cool one having Pikachu in that world, like a Pokemon world. Yeah, but that's not even Disney, so it no. Matter. Well, I mean, Disney's buying everything; they're gonna eventually buy the rights to Pokemon, right? Yeah. Why not? Next question. Well, there actually isn't any, Ryan. But guess what? What? Someone else wrote into the show. Oh, cool. I think I know who it is. <laughs> Your sister, my wife, Lauren, the subject line is, I haven't had enough coffee to think of a witty subject line. Nice. Doesn't sound unlike her. Hi, guys. Rusty and I spent this morning listening to Kingdom Hearts soundtrack, as we usually do. (laughs) So hopefully you guys are all jacked up to talk through your favorite aspects of the game. We are. I actually haven't gotten very far in Kingdom Hearts. I'm also aware of this, Lauren. I've been in a bad habit of starting games and then losing interest after the first five to ten hours. With the exception of Pokemon Let's Go, no one can get tired of Eevee's little face. That's true. What advice do you have for sticking through a game? Also, I wanted to get into Kingdom Hearts again, but I'm debating restarting the first or jumping straight into the second one. Which do you prefer in regards to gameplay, character development, complexity of worlds, etc.? Also, gosh, Lauren, so many questions here. Also, <laughs> I feel like we're in a meeting right now. Okay, so let's let's let's, let's break dissect this the down first a little one. bit. Yeah, so she says, "What do you what advice do you have for sticking through a game?" Well, I was the one who gave it up for like five years on the ps3 like i bought the first one or the collection and then i gave it up after the first island so lauren's actually made it further than i did my first playthrough (coughs) i think she got to the tarzan boss and they gave up um i would say play through it with someone is the only reason i started it up again is you were playing through it the first time 
and I played through it as well. And it gave me a motivation to like discuss and be like, oh, I really like this and blah, 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 blah. That's one way. Um, I mean, personally, I think the second question was, should you start with one or whatever? Um, I would, like on previous episodes, like you said, start with number two and we'll give you the plot for number one. Absolutely. So I agree entirely. I also think as far as sticking with a game, you need to find, first of all... A game that you like. A games you like. You know, don't play what you don't enjoy. If you don't enjoy Kingdom Hearts, well, the divorce papers are going to be on the table pretty soon. But don't play it. Like, it's not a matter of forcing yourself to have an experience that may be applauded by others, but it's just not your style. Because I'm not going to play... Grand Theft Auto Five. I may not play Red Dead Redemption 2 because that Western setting isn't overly appealing to me. Yeah. You better bet your bottom dollar I'm going to play Spider-Man uh, uh, on PS4 mm-hmm. because I really want to be Spider-Man. He's my, one of my favorite superheroes. Mm-hmm. Um, I love 3D platformers. 2D platformers, they're not necessarily my jam. Some of them I really enjoy, but Sonic, screw you. And so... Like, I might never play... Um, what's that Japanese RPG that everyone likes? The one that you have the tin for? The, um, Nino Kuni. Nino Kuni. I might not ever play that, but it looks cool. Mm-hmm. I just don't think I would enjoy it. You know, one of the mistakes I got into when I was when I started my YouTube channel is you know I was watching people like Happy Console Gamer, Pete Door, Games Thirty One, Jason Heine, all these different people that had vast collections of games, mm-hmm. but they'd have been amassing a collection unbeknownst to them. They weren't collecting for the sake of collecting. They were just buying games over the course of their 20, 30 year lives, and one day I looked at their shelf and was like, oh, I have a pretty significant collection of games. I want to share my passion and love for this hobby. And so they started these, these YouTube channels. And oftentimes, like my first videos that I saw from Pete were like his Xbox 360, PS2, N64, GameCube collections. And I saw this wide array of games. And I was like, I don't have that. I want that. And he'd, show, he'd have these pickup videos. And it was essentially every couple weeks... He'd get on there and talk for 25 minutes about the games he bought recently. Yeah. So then naturally, I started my YouTube channel, and I felt compelled to have to also do the same. Talk about games that I bought for 25 minutes. Well, if you're doing that for 25 minutes, you need to buy a hell of a lot of games. Yeah. And so I got into this mindset that I needed to just buy, 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 regardless of my taste in games. Oh, Atlas is on the title? I heard that's an RPG. Oh, I better buy it. And I think you need to break away from that separate yourself from that mindset and really identify the genre of video games that's most appealing to you. Once you have that locked in, then start experimenting with different series of games. Maybe dip your toe into some of these like indie platformers like you know, Journey and these different experiences that are just unique. But um, yeah, find what you like. That's the most important thing. Yeah, it is. Um, like I only buy games or like physically buy a copy of a game that I want to have and be able to slip in that disc. Cause when we like, I guess when we were kids, everything was on a disc. So there was no digital copies of anything. So I really like being able to see like the stack of games with all the titles lined up and be like, Oh, I want to grab this the same way you grab a DVD and put it into the, your console. I like that physical copy so like games like Skyrim or I guess I bought the physical copy of Neo when or Neo Tamata when I could have just bought the digital. Mm-hmm. But I like having the physical copy because I know I'm going to like it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, you know, when I eventually 
when Lauren and I get a house and I'm able to display the games in a nice way with with nice shelving units. It's 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 not about bragging when people come over. No. But it's really awesome when when a friend comes over that I maybe haven't talked to in a while and they see my N64 collection like, "Oh my gosh, Rusty, I remember when we sat in the basement for 3 days straight, you know, playing Blues Brothers on the N64." Yeah. Or freaking <laughs> Glover or Mario Party 2 or Tony Hawk Pro Skater. I think I have my N64 like in my basement. You want if I borrow that? Absolutely, you know? Like I think it's so cool to kind of share the love and passion for this hobby and that's in many regards why I've, I've kind of amassed my collection but if you look at my ps1 collection you're not going to see final fantasies chrono cross your really expensive games you're going to see disney's hercules tom and jerry's house trap or whatever the, the heck that game played. is the stuff i played growing up that i absolutely adored because I, my sister can come over and we can sit there and just pop in all these different games and just like laugh hysterically yeah. when mom went to work and we stayed up, you know, playing these games. Yeah. I think it's very much nostalgia driven. And I think that's what it should be for, for anyone else out there. And for Lauren specifically, girl, I have plenty of games as you are aware. And Heck, even just starting with kingdom hearts three, like, well, that might be a little overwhelming. Really? I mean, she's certainly going to sit there and watch me play it. Cause she's going to be just, well, not as excited as I am. Give me a break, but she's going to be excited for me. And yeah. plus, she loves Disney just as much as I do. I think that's the the reason I played through it as well. Also, was the Disney aspect, mm-hmm. like getting to play alongside those characters. Yeah, that that's also a draw. And like Smash Brothers, you know, you you play as Marth or all these different Fire Emblem characters. Yeah, and it's caused you to be like, I play as Marth every time I I play Smash Brothers. I might as well play a Fire Emblem game. Or a Kirby or whatever I play as. And very much like Kingdom Hearts, you might say, like, who's this Cloud fellow? Maybe I should keep my eye out for this Final Fantasy VII remake, you know? Yeah. Who's that little mage guy in the back corner of Twilight Town? That's Vivi. Where is he from? Final Fantasy IX, the best Final Fantasy game there is. So, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I think that's my long and drawn-out answer to that, is play what you like. Yeah. So, let's see. Let's dissect this a little further, Ryan. Which do you prefer? We said Kingdom Hearts Two is the best place to start. Um, what is your all-time favorite Kingdom Hearts world? She says, I'm not far enough into the game to have a favorite yet, but I love um, playing alongside the little sidekicks from each world. The concepts for these games is truly unmatched and a dream come true for Disney fans. I agree entirely. My favorite world? I, I mean, I don't <coughs> think I could say anything else other than the Pride Lands. Yeah, the Pride Lands was really cool. I really like Tron. Tron was awesome. Because it's so different. Like, everything has a field or trees or whatever. Tron is, like, purely you're in the system. Mm-hmm. And just Tron the movie, I really enjoyed. Yeah. Plus, I think it's so, especially in 2002 when this game came out, that each time you visited a new world, your character's appearance adapted and changed to the environment that you were in. Yeah. You know, you go to Atlantica the Little Mermaid place. And naturally, you're underwater and you can't breathe. So you're either going to have like a little bubble mask or you're going to turn into a mermaid and a turtle and like a little squid guy. Yeah. I I think it's just so awesome. Um, Other memorable worlds for me are um, Halloween Town just because Danny Elfman's, you know, Halloween song is just so... Oh, you want to smile? Do the Kingdom Hearts 2 Hundred Acre Wood. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. Um... I'm trying to think of some of my other favorites. Because um, someone's going to write in and be like, Rusty, I can't believe you didn't say that. I mean, Traverse Town, 
because the music is just oh, yeah my favorite I was up late last night listening to a 30 minute loop of Traverse Town preparing for the show really until like 2 o'clock in the morning yeah yeah this morning I watched every trailer for Kingdom Hearts 3 and the plot line twice yeah uh yeah I think those are my answers you know I mean I think Winnie the Pooh, because it's in every game, and like Little Mermaid, because it's in both games. Well, the second Little Mermaid in Kingdom Hearts 2 was... Totally different. It was like a little mini-game place. Yeah, but, but Ursula still was brutal. Um, okay, let's let's continue here, because this is getting more. She says, you guys have... Gosh, my voice oh. today. You guys have both been playing, or beating games fairly quickly and blowing through boss battles these days. Do you typically have a strategy when you play, or just leisurely play the game? What are your go-tos... Uh, what is your go-to strategy versus leisure games? She says, I always go back to Animal Crossing, Harvest Moon, and Pokemon as my fun, relaxing games. Ryan, to you. Yeah, Lauren was giving me crap about this when we were getting coffee about play the game to enjoy it and don't just blow through it to beat it. Well, I was going to give you shit yesterday because, you know, I asked you about how to get to the Crystal Cave and you called me. And I was sick yesterday, so I actually stayed home from work. And after sleeping for like 15 hours and catching up on emails, um, I played Dark Souls yesterday afternoon for quite a bit. And I blew through like a lot of the bosses. And then you felt compelled to play through and catch up to me. And Oh, I didn't. I beat one guy. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, I don't want to instill that mindset into you that you, especially when Kingdom Hearts 3 comes out, because you better just understand now that I'm going to beat that game faster than you are. Because Oh, I know. I'm like... Like as I never much want as you guys think that I blow through games. Like I, I knew where Sif was. I just didn't go and beat him. Like I called you because I was driving on the way home from work, and I'm not going to voice chat because you give me shit for that because it's a garbled mess of just whatever. Yeah, I'm like like okay. I did Quaylag, and it came out with like Quaaludes or whatever. Yeah, and like no, I I enjoy games thoroughly, and like I dive into the lore as. Which furthers my experience, and that's how I play. No, I, I, I don't, don't speedrun games because I find speedrunning games to be miserable, and it takes all the fun out of it. Um, I mean, it's the same reason I've beaten Dark Souls three like four or five times in different playstyles. Is I enjoy the plot so much, and now going back to the earlier games, it furthers that experience. Yeah, no, so no. I'm not beating them to beat them. I'm beating them and learning about the bosses, the backstories. I'm listening to a video or whatever the guy, the YouTuber is about all these bosses that I'm beating in their backstories. Sure. No, I'm not arguing any of those points. My yeah. point is I never want our, our podcast to become a competition. No, it's not. Yeah. Cause I'd win. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just no, it, it's, it's very much not. We enjoy different games differently because you've sped run games, right? Once or twice. Not really. You no. watch them. I watch, you watch speed runs. I watch Pete speed running all the time, but like I, I watch someone speed run dark souls three and that, or bloodborne. And I'm like, that doesn't seem like fun at all. No, that would like, just it takes the story and the everything out of it. Plus the amount of time that I'd have to invest in learning the routes, the runs, reading up and watching, copious other uh yeah. speed runs to be able to replicate that experience like i would have been able to play like umpteen other games in that same time frame it's just i don't think the level of satisfaction would be so much so that it'd be worth it for me to sacrifice the time that i could have spent elsewhere yeah so as far as games that i go back to um i usually go back to skyrim as a break um after playing through that for maybe 10 15 hours 
you have to take a break from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like platforms occasionally. It really breaks up the RPGs because the RPGs can become cumbersome. Um, and platformers are very, I mean, they're very simplistic. And like, I would always love to go back to like a side scrolling Mario game. Mm-hmm. Those are just fun, mindless, and you can jump and get stars. Like, that kind of stuff is how I break up RPGs. Um, I think that's usually what I do. Um, looking at my the games that I have, most of them being RPGs, it's when I don't know what to play, I don't jump into those. I find, like, I'll, I think I bought a Game Boy so I could play a uh, side-scrolling platformer. Yeah. And I then think- I rage quit that because Donkey Kong on uh, an SP is brutal. Like, one of the hardest games I've ever played. I think you just suck. That's, yeah, that's part of it. For yeah. Sure. So I think for me, of course, like you said, Skyrim is one of my mainstays. Um, Madden is a more recent one for me. Everybody's Golf on the PS4. I'm a huge Hot Shots Golf fan, so that's always um, a very nice kind of calming experience for me, even though for many people it is very um, frustrating golf game. Like, once you learn the mechanics of Hot Shots Golf, the three-click button system, it's... I don't like to brag about my games that, I, that I'm that i good at, but, like, I'll freaking wreck in that game. Yeah. Is that the one where you have the meter to start, meter to click in the thing, and the meter at the end? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mario Golf was the same way. Exactly. It's very much that way, yeah. So, um, but, yeah, if I ever have current generation fatigue when it comes to games that no matter what game I pop in, it's just within five minutes, I know I don't want to play it anymore, I always come back to the N64. N64 is... Yeah. Because I can pop any game in on that system that I have and I'm immediately transported back into like, you know, eight, ten year old Rusty and um, can kind of just remind myself of simpler times, have a lot of fun, dual cyclones, wrecking people in perfect dark. What's up? I do need to get the so the only cord I'm missing, the power cable on the N sixty four has two adapters. Yes. One, one of the wall. One to then... the wall and one to the console itself and i'm missing the one that goes i think from the adapter to the console itself av cable you can get it for less than 10 bucks on amazon because i'll probably order that this evening do it dude you need to i have plenty of n64 games you can play yeah i have have lots of controllers if i need to hook you up with those too um anything else she said one final thought i think the perfect new year's resolution for both of you is to each adopt a dog. I'll just leave these puppy <laughs> pictures here for you to think about. Are they adorable? So. Oh my god, Lauren, you freaking jerk! <laughs> <laughs> little Samoya. Oh, oh, I wish. Oh my gosh, a family of Samoyas. Let's see, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh look, at, this is the one I would adopt right there. The one underneath is just chilling, laying. Oh, dude, Lauren, you're such a dick. <laughs> oh my gosh. They're so adorable. Look at that one. The one with the McDonald's? And, I lo- oh, the- and even like they got like little cherry blossoms. He's got blossoms. The little double chin. Oh my gosh. Oh. This little guy though. Someone feed me. I do need a dog. Travis actually just texted me. I'm going to read this hot off the presses. He says he's listening through to the current podcast. Did you ever figure out Dogadon? Yeah, I'm happy to report in Travis. Talked about it earlier in the show. Dogadon defeated. What else do you say here? It's been forever, but I think you might be able to hold down the attack button for a stronger punch. Probably so that's wrong. the exact same thing you did. Exactly. So I did that twice, and then I threw like a bunch of other like little mini punches, and then uh, kicked him off the edge. Corpse burned. Victory. Ashes went everywhere. 
Good stuff. Lauren, Nick, thanks for writing in. Travis, of course. Yeah, thanks. Your, uh, your emails and Insta posts are always very much welcome. Lauren, those dog pictures, though. They're adorable. But Ryan, I think it's about time to get into the Kingdom Hearts discussions. Oh, yeah. So why don't you rattle off the games that you've played in the series? So the first one I played was uh, Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories on the 3DS. Game Boy Advance. Game Boy Advance. Mm -hmm. And I love the crap out of this game. Um, It was my first Kingdom Hearts. You play Sora. um, You fight basically most of the Organization 13. Mm -hmm. And then you also, on the second half, play as Riku, who's my favorite character. Nice. So you get to... Uh, wield his dark blade or whatever it's called uh what is it soul leader i think it is and i really like that blade i love his like white purple hair um yeah that was my first one and then we played through kingdom hearts one and two together which i enjoyed and then i started birth by sleep and i only got into like the courtyard where they're going to train to become Keyblade Masters with Aqua, Terra, and... Ventus. Ventus. So then you've not played a Fragmentary Passage yet. And I got, like, 45 minutes into that one. You need to beat that before you go to Japan. Yeah. No, I will. Yeah. Yeah. I'll probably beat that this weekend, this, probably this evening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I wanted to see Brave, and I was going to do it, and we've been on our Dark Souls. What game. did you think about Brave? You watched that last night, Pixar movie. I really liked Brave. Mm-hmm. It was um, It was terrifying through, like who I thought was going to die. And yeah. like, I thought someone like one of the main characters was going to die and like the entire time freaking out. But yeah, it's definitely underrated or yeah. definitely. I think they released it at a weird time was why. Yeah. It's not definitely not talked about as much as it should be. Yeah. Um, but it, it's really good. Mm-hmm. Nice. So for me, I, uh, let me pull up my, my list here. So my favorite games from one to six Kingdom Hearts 1, undoubtedly, it's my favorite game of all time. Only makes sense that it's my um, my favorite game in the series. Kingdom Hearts 2 comes in at number 2. Uh, I will absolutely say that Kingdom Hearts 2 is better in every regard, but my experience playing Kingdom Hearts 1 will never be replicated by any game ever. You think Kingdom Hearts 3 will replace 2? Will it replace 1? Well, or can it not defeat the nostalgia? Yeah, one? no, it's an interesting question because I think very much like one, the experience was so new and fresh, right? Mm-hmm. In my well, mom's it's the same way Bloodborne was for like, yeah. experiencing that. But in my mom's hair salon, 10 years old, my Polar Pop, my snacks, yeah. playing that, you know. Was, for days. Yeah, it was just one of the greatest experiences ever. Um, but having waited, you know, 14 years now for Kingdom yeah. Hearts 3, that's a hell of a lot of foreplay. Yeah. <laughs> it could very much overtake both Kingdom Hearts 2 and 1. I think it will overtake 2 because, um, I mean, there's nothing really... Th- yeah, I think it's going to overtake 2 because there's nothing that's going to stop it from doing so. Yeah. Really. I mean, yeah. So coming in at number 3, Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. Um, really outstanding game. I thought it was unique how you had three characters you could play as that each had unique play styles and then... You really played through the same storyline for each character, just acted out at different parts of the the Disney story. Yeah, you know, so really interesting there. All playing through the same storyline, though, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, number four. This might surprise some people. Kingdom Hearts three five eight over two days on the DS. Um, again, did the you name, just watch the movie? The naming conventions. No, I played this on the DS. Oh, you did. Yeah. Oh, so okay. um, I actually have it over there. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, of course, now on the collections, they only have the cutscenes of basically Axel, Roxas, and um, 
Shion, is that her name? I think it's Zion. Zion. Um, basically sitting on the top of the clock tower eating um, salted ice cream. Yeah. But the game itself is actually really interesting. You go on different missions that Organization 13 kind of sends you out on. Mm-hmm. Um, Dude, when I watched that, watch that, I was like, oh, cutscenes. This will be like 30 minutes. No, it's like three it and a half hours. Freaking long. Like, yeah. I thought on a Friday night, I was like, oh, it's cool. It's like six o'clock. I'll be done by 6 30. It was like 10 o'clock by the time I got done. Well, the thing that they incorporated that much footage of and, and, and dialogue into a DS game is pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, but I really, I remember really enjoying that game when I played it. And I never played it through a second time, but I have very fond memories playing for the first well, time. Well, I really like the relationship and how it changes between um, Axel and Roxas and mm-hmm. even Zion. And it's it's a sad storyline. Yeah. But it's it's good. Axel, honestly, is, is probably top three characters for me in the game. Yeah. And it'll be cool to see... Not Axel, but his actual person, um, Lee. Yeah, it's Lee. Um, because if you if you know, all of the like Roxas is Sora's nobody or whatever yeah. the heck. Because it's basically just Sora with an X in it. Yeah, the, the then, letters are of course backwards, but yeah, you have or jumbled. Zemnis being the main one, who's Xehanort's nobody. Zigbar like being, I I've every yeah. organization. Well, yeah, we'll talk about it later. Yeah. Um, number five is Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance for the 3DS. Really enjoyed this. I felt like it was the perfect uh, gateway into Kingdom Hearts 3. I thought what was wildly interesting about this game, too, that in all honesty would be a great game for people to start with. I might even recommend Lauren playing it because as you play through the game, you unlock these story synopses for each of the Kingdom Hearts games. Like, I'm talking like heavy bathroom reading material. Like, just pages of text that very intricately and perfectly... Oh, so you have to read it? It's not, like, cutscenes or whatever? No, but it's, like, these, like, little, like, booklets that you read through that very perfectly explains the story of each of the games. Okay. And so as you play this, it very, very well... It it basically perfectly introduces you to Kingdom Hearts 3. Yeah. Like, it really... Yeah. So I think it's a great game. I mean, what I didn't like about it, though, is that... You have like these little familiars, or not familiars, spirits is what they're called. Familiars, I think, is Nino Kuni. Um, little shit's familiar. Did I ever tell you that story? No. So, <laughs> Lauren was playing Skyrim for the first time on PS3, and Dad was just watching us play. And Lauren's like, Oh, what should I name my character? And he's like, Little shit. And she's like, Okay. So she names her character Little Shit. And the first summon that you can do for Conjuration was a familiar. And when you summoned it, you can see, like, you hover over it and said, little shit's familiar. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, um, made me laugh. But anyways, the spirits are very much like Pokemon, where you battle these different, like, spirits instead of Heartless in the game that you can eventually kind of collect. You can, like, pet them. Are those the balloon them. things? Yeah. Really not... I mean, it was an interesting mechanic for the time, for that particular game. I swear, if it is in Kingdom Hearts 3, I'm going to riot. No, so it looks like um, it, they do do a callback in one of the uh, trailers as like a special move to one of those balloon things that you ride, but it's not in there. So does that one, the balloon storyline, the one with the people with masks, is that how they tell that story? Gosh, I don't even remember the story of Kingdom Hearts Dreamed Up Distance. Okay. Doesn't matter. Anyways, number six is Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories on the Game Boy Advance also lump in there, re-chain of memories on the PS2. 
at the time, it was Kingdom Hearts portably, so I was, of course, over the moon about it. I, I still have the complete inbox copy of the game with its, like, holographic case, which was really pretty unique yeah. and interesting for the time. Um, what I really didn't like was just the card-based battle system. Again, I applaud the how clever it is, mm-hmm. but for me... I love kind of just smashing the X button and all the acrobatic combat, and that was kind of stripped away from Kingdom Hearts because you basically need to make sure that you build this deck to be able to defeat your opponents. I mean, it's basically you're playing a card game in real time. Yeah, it's like Yu-Gi-Oh. While flipping all over the place with the sword and a keyblade. It's just too complicated for me. Um, again, maybe I'm just a little baby and I need to be better, but like... Well, I enjoyed the strategy of it, and then you can collect cards by grinding, and it allowed for a lot of grinding, and then how you chain different numbers on those cards within your deck mm-hmm. allowed for totally crazy, like, play styles. Like, if you... Uh, I think you lined up, like, a one one nine or something like that, or, like, three threes in a row. Like, it gave you a specific combo. Yeah. Yeah, it's not for everyone, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, unique, but not for me. Uh, so yeah, that was my uh, ranking of the series. You want to get into story? Yeah. So, like I said earlier in the show, I have my notes here that I read the back of the boxes for all my Kingdom Hearts games late last night. Was thinking, like, I was really trying to come up with stuff in my head. Like, okay, Rusty, I've played Kingdom Hearts 1 three times. I've played it to completion two times. Kingdom Hearts 2, I've played to completion two times. Of course, I've played all the other games in the series. I was, like, really trying to, like, wrap my mind around, like, Rusty, become one with Namara tonight, okay? It's hard to... Drink this beer, become Namara. And that was kind of how I... I was listening to the Traverse Town soundtrack on loop for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. I was like, Rusty, you got 30 minutes to come up with the Kingdom Hearts story. And this is what I came up with. Okay. All right? So I wrote these bullet points down. Basically, what I understand is the Keyblade was formed by basically this union of people of lightness and darkness, okay? And this blade, this weapon, was supposed to be used to essentially protect the world as we know it of Kingdom Hearts, okay? And then this blade eventually begins some kind of war because of reasons, okay? So, introduced prepubescent Haley Joe Alsman, chilling on this island with his little buddies, eating starfruits, running around and racing some 14-year-old gray-haired guy that... Why does he have gray hair? Maybe he hit Jack Daniels too hard. Catches up quick. I really have no idea. Okay. Anyway, Sora was a direct spawn of Bear Grylls and just thirsts for adventure. And so, randomly... Oh, and he, he likes putting himself in... <laughs> the spawn of Bear Grylls. And he enjoys dangerous situations. Okay. So, yeah. he's just chilling this island eating star fruits, and then naturally, Heartless just destroys island and he gets sucked into a place called Traverse Town. Yeah. Fast forward to Traverse Town. Okay. Wakes up. Doesn't know where the heck he is. Meets and runs into Donald and Goofy. They hit up a local pub with Mickey, eat seven and a half churros, have a cup of tea, and Mickey urges them to embark on the most epic of journeys. Okay. One that won't make a lick of sense, but they do it for justice. One where they go, they ride a gummy ship in any direction they care to, even though it'll rot their teeth. And one where the shit doesn't give a matter, but so help me tomorrow, if you don't tie a bow in this series, I'm going to riot. And there's Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> okay. I mean... Yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. Like playing through the games, I mean, if you play Kingdom Hearts one and Kingdom Hearts two, nothing makes sense. No, because you would have played Chain of Memories. You don't know why Sora's like in this weirdo. Why am I playing chamber, as the second guy? And then he, for like five years, <laughs> it, it's like a five hour. 
like cuz I played Kingdom Hearts 2 or when it originally came out came out like the night it came out I was over at a sleepover and my friends who had played through them was playing the first one or we were playing the second one and we're like why are we a different character like did he change his hair why are they calling him Roxas what's up we were so confused um and it's like a 5 hour segment in Twilight Town yeah so. you can actually like when I played it for like the second time, I basically s- was speed running it. Yeah. Not actually speed running it, but you can beat it in like an hour. Yeah. Yeah. I think I did like. If you take it slow, it's a long time. I think I did in like an hour and a half. Oh, two yeah. When hours. I first played it on like PlayStation 2, it was like five hours. Well, because you don't know where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, what I did, I watched a plot synopsis and then I did the main, like, for the. The lo- at least the starting point, I did a lot of detail, and then I did bullet points because it's it would take me like four hours to do it all. So <coughs> you start out; it is the age of fairy tale, as it is. Um, uh, Kingdom Heart is basically a collection of hearts and wisdom, essentially. So it starts out with this prophet um, using the X blade. This is a a keyblade key blade is essentially an extraction from a person's heart. Um, this prophet dude trained five people and calls them the foretellers. I don't know why he's trained five oh, people. Well, I was going to say, like, wait, five people and the foretellers? Yeah, I I watched it twice, and I have no idea why you'd have f- five people and foretellers. Well, I think it's because... shaft. Well, I think because one person betrays them. Oh. But there's also, like, one person gets um, this special blade with like an eye on it from the prophet of course and the eye can see or the prophet can see everything the eye does like goes and things Mm -hmm. and then he also gives him a box and that's not really explained um the prophet gave a (laughs) keyblade with with an eye so he could see what's going on um one prophet finds a dream eater someone who gives bad dreams Mm -hmm. obviously and uh Basically, those the group of five think there's a traitor in their midst. Um, one of the uh, tellers goes off with a bunch of children. <laughs> Wait, he basically, be, <laughs> yeah, uh, basically he she forms a group called the Dandelions, <coughs> who gets are, a big white van. <laughs> yeah, well, it's actually like in the cutscene it shows like a lot of children, but it's basically people who could wield keyblades and. Um, basically have a resistance to the darkness. And so the, basically like a little Jedi Academy. Yeah, essentially. Mm-hmm. And they go off into hiding, and then at that time, people are warring over the the X-Blade. Um, and the X-Blade ends up, during the Keyblade War, being broken into 20 pieces. 13 Dark, which is kind of where organization kind of 13 comes from. Mm-hmm. And then 7 Light, which is kind of where you'd see the seven princesses, or why you have the seven princesses to open the portal Princess in the first of heart. game. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, one, I guess, caveat, light is preserved in the hearts of children, which I think is, like, the cheesiest shit you could come up with, but cool, I guess. Uh, Keyblades, let's see, Keyblade Graveyard was where basically a lot of children murdered each other with Keyblades, and there's a bunch of, like, Keyblades sticking up. (laughs) Essentially, it's a bunch of, like, teenagers and kids who had the ability to wield Keyblades fighting with their, like, 
I don't know, like all the tellers wore like pony masks and things, mm-hmm. like kind of like fan of them, the opera style. Sure. And like the Keyblade graveyard is literally where a bunch of people died, what like the... kids battling each other. Um, so time passes and the Keyblade war becomes legend. <coughs> so skip X amount of years on Destiny Island where you first like meet Sora. Um, and I think this is about the same time that Sora's just like a, a little kid, like five or six, still young. Um, Xehanort, which is basically this, at this time he's a teenager. He's white hair. I don't know why people have white hair as like a teenager on set. I don't know. Uh, he visit. he's visited by a masked figure, um, who get this is Ansem. Form of future version of Xehanort traveled back in time. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's like Dragon Ball Z levels of craziness. Yeah, so Ansem, I think, is his heartless. Mm-hmm. And, like, Xehanort basically, or that's the name he takes on. Because if you think in the second game, Ansem is, like, a blonde-haired dude. Ansem the Wise. Yes, yes, yes. And he has a dude, his apprentice, Ansem, or basically takes on his name. Which is like the heartless Xehanort. Okay. Cool. And um, so, Ansem, the form of future version of Xehanort, travel back in time. He's a heartless. Um, Ansem grants Xehanort the ability to time travel, to gather ten vessels, uh, fragments of his future heart, to create an organization to recreate the X-Blade and restart the Keyblade War. So basically, the Organization 13 is... An organization that Xehanort wants to fracture his soul, kind of like Horcruxes mm. in Harry Potter, and basically populate these nobodies or these people with his soul to, like, I don't know, follow his lead, I guess. Okay. Um, let's see. Xehanort travels through time, and it returns to the present, but at, when he returns, he loses his memory. Um, he has the subconscious desire to be a Keyblade Master. Good grief. As we all do. Um, Xehanort travels to the land of uh, Rapture, which I think is where they uh, Master Xehanort trains Aqua, Ventus, and Terra. Okay, yeah. Um, so that's called the land of Rapture. Um, he has friends to train, too. So if you look at the Kingdom Hearts 3 trailer where it's two people playing chess... Mm-hmm. The white-haired dude is Xehanort as a like a young kid who, and that's the land of Rapture. And then the black-haired kid is like his bro. Okay. So chess player bro. Um, the friend believes that dark needs to be eliminated, and Xehanort believes that the darkness can be controlled. <coughs> so now a few years pass. There is old Xehanort trains apprentice Ventus to transfer. Uh, his soul into basically the way that uh, Emperor Palpatine, after he died, transferred his soul into someone to like re inhabit them. Yeah. Just to live forever. Uh, but he realized that Ventus is too weak. Um, let's see. But too weak to take his darkness. That's what they're calling it now. <laughs> and, and he uh, creates Vanitas. Van- Vanitas. Vanitas. Yeah, because he was in Birth by Sleep. Yeah, which is like that armored dude yeah. who's just pure. Created pure darkness, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, Ventus, Ventus's broken heart is touched by baby Sora. So, essentially... <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Wait, what? Hey, Ventus is touching babies now. 
Um, no, actually, Ventus's fractured soul is or heart is actually in Sora. Yeah, so it, it, it's is that, interesting. Is that why Roxas looks like Sora? No. I mean, is that why Roxas looks it's like why Ventus? Actually, when you fight, when Roxas fights um, Rico, Riku, 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 <laughs> Loco Roco, when uh, Roxas fights Riku, he can dual wield because one he, Ventus is a Keyblade wielder, and Roxas is a Keyblade wielder through Sora. Oh so because Roxas, yeah, Sora technically has like six souls because he like yeah whatever. So um, oh let's see. Gosh. It's bananas. Um, yeah, it is. Let's see. At this point, birth unversed, or it births unversed, which are creatures attracted to negativity, which is Lauren and I. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say, Lauren and I. your job. Uh, let's see. So it, it's explained that the to make the X-Blade, you have to combine a pure heart of darkness, Vanitas, and Vanitas. Vanita. You can pronounce it however the hell you want. <laughs> <laughs> Benitas sounds cool. Carnitas? <laughs> Carnitos? Um, and then a part of pure light. So Vanitas uh, is the pure darkness. And they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll search for a heart of pure light. So uh, let's see. Ventus's broken heart is touched. Oh, I already read the broken touching babies. Uh, there's stuff about a keyblade. Um, mm-hmm. and bequeathing. So basically, um, Riku is touched by Terra, or he touches Terra's blade. So like... <laughs> <laughs> and he's a really young child at that point. That's what we're calling these days. Yeah, huh? so basically Terra, Aqua, and Ventus is already in a baby. So oh my gosh. <laughs> Terra goes to, like, the, hap- what, the island that they're on, Destiny Island. Sure. And let's... Uh, Riku touches Blade, <laughs> oh, and then Aqua goes to Destiny Island and lets Kyrie touch her blade. Or she doesn't let her. She act, she reaches out and touches her blade, unbeknownst to Aqua. Okay. So that uh, once you touch a Blade Master's key, <laughs> <laughs> you're able to wield your own blade. Okay. So once puberty happens, yeah. So uh, Vaynort transfers his heart. Or wait, wait. Vaynort transfers heart. And tears um, into Terra's. Uh, Wait, say that coherently. I, it's really we- weirdly phrased on this. Uh, Vaynort transfers his heart into Terra's. Zaynort does this. Zaynort, like master old dude yeah. Zaynort. Um, at the uh, Keyblade graveyard. Yeah, this becoming is the... Zaynort, Terra, or Terra Zaynort. This is at the end of Birth by Sleep. <laughs> yeah. So Ternort, or Terra resists, but Zaynort. And Ventus combined to make the X Blade. Ha ha ha! And when the so Kingdom Hearts comes out when basically the X Blade is created, a combination of pure dark and pure light. Okay. Um. So that actually explains a lot why shit changes throughout the storyline because the only pure like real Kingdom Hearts, which is like that Heart Moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Only comes out when the X Blade is created, and in Kingdom Hearts one and two, the X Blade is not created. So the freaking door that they call Kingdom Hearts is only a doorway to get to the darkness to uh, see the artificial Kingdom Heart. So like the one at the end of Kingdom Hearts two, 
isn't artificially created by Organization 13 Kingdom Hearts, not the real Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, yeah, it's bullshit. So, Kingdom Hearts comes out of the darkness from the Keyblade War and appears in the sky as a heart moon. Uh, Aqua and Mickey defeat uh, what's Xanatus, um, shattering the X-Blade. <laughs> Once this X-Blade is shattered, um, the heart moon, dis- or the Kingdom Heart disappears into the sky. Aqua meets Zen Sid, the ex-Keyblade master from Zicky, Mickey. Oh, he's cool. Who he's trained like a, Mickey. He's like a samurai guy. Yeah, he's like a blue, like he's wearing blue wizard robes. Oh, wait, no, I'm thinking someone else. Who's, uh, okay, you're yeah. You're thinking De- Diz. Diz. So, yeah, the guy. red. No, I'm not thinking of him either. In Birth by Sleep, when Xehanort is training. Oh, the one that uh, Terra kills or whatever. I think so. Like the samurai guy with like the ponytail. Yeah, I left that out because it's completely a. It's it would have taken me six hours to come up with. <laughs> You're good. So, um, yeah, they kill a samurai guy who was like old Xehanort's bro, but like in order to he tries to kill Ventus to prevent uh, Xehanort's ability to penetrate him with his heart and like basically corrupt him. And then Terra comes in and kills samurai dudes to like prevent him from killing Ventus. Gotcha. Like it, it's yeah, it's kind of convoluted shit. So, um, Aqua returns to the land of the departure, trans transforms this land of the departure where they like trained with old dude to the castle Oblivion, and castle Oblivion being <coughs> that like white castle where all the chain of memories takes place. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ventus merges with Sora. Here he, um, basically, yeah. Basically, putting his heart into Sora this is pretty intimate. Um, Xehanort, or Xenort and Bragg, one of like these dudes, tried to manipulate Ansem to make. Oh, okay. So this is a completely different plotline. So this is where I get into like bullet points because, yeah, just time. So this is at the beginning of this explanation. I think Kingdom Hearts two, where you're seeing Roxas's stuff. Um, Xehanort and Bragg, who are the Ansem the Wise, the blonde dude, mm-hmm. his apprentices, um, try to manipulate blonde dude to, um, create, or to make darkness and, like, heartless and stuff. And Ansem the Wise becomes aware of this plan, um, and then he's banished to the Dark Realm, and basically after his other apprentices turn on him. So at this point... Xehanort, or, yeah, Xehanort and everyone are just still human. Okay. Okay, so, Xehanort shatters the worlds at this point and gathers, so that's why all the worlds are fractured. Like, you, you're you going to different worlds, mm-hmm. like, you're going to Lion King, or you're going to, like, Colosseum. It's because Xehanort shattered the worlds instead of it being one specific world. And gathered Heartless to make an artificial kingdom heart, um... Xehanort's nobody is um, Zamnus, Zamnus, mm-hmm. who is the boss of the s- first one, I think. Um, Dix, Diz. <laughs> Diz. <laughs> Sorry. You're just like, Dix? <laughs> no, why? Well, Ryan, deep. you need help articulating over there? Like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> 
you said it like so unknowingly that you just said it too. I like, didn't even realize it because well, it's D- <laughs> it's D I X, and they pronounce the X's so differently. <laughs> you can see how I could get dicks out of D I X. Yeah, right? sure. Yeah. So Diz, which is the combination of darkness and zero, which is how they came up with that name. Oh, I guess it's a Z. It should be Z. <laughs> dicks. Uh, he ex- escapes the dark realm. Um, or he goes by Diz. So this is um, the blonde dude, Zaya, whatever his name is, the Wise. Uh, Ansem the Wise basically puts on that red ninja uniform. You remember him? Yeah, I know exactly okay. what you're talking about. Okay, yeah. so uh, Riku opens the darkness and brings Heartless to the island. Like, he be, he's the darker kind of side of that island of destiny. Um, Sora has a stronger heart and gets the Keyblade first. So that's why Sora gets that Keyblade. Um, let's see. Mickey's Keyblade. Uh, okay, so this is leaves a message to find... Okay, so Mickey cut to the uh, kingdom or the castle where Mickey is the king. Yes. Minnie is there, and Mickey leaves a message. Basically, he went away, and there's a message for Donald and Goofy basically to find the key. So super ominous. Basically Sora. Basically Sora. Mm-hmm. Um, so Maleficent, um, plotline with Maleficent, she's also a antagonist, um, is looking for seven princesses, seven lights protecting them to open the portal to the Kingdom Hearts where um, Xehanort was basically creating that artificial Kingdom Heart. Yeah. Um, and to Antro, the, uh, whatever, that's not important. So, Riku joins Maleficent to find Kairi, because at this point, Kairi, like, at the island, she becomes, like, a ghost, and, like, goes through Sora in the cutscene. Mm-hmm. Basically, <clears throat> her heart goes into Sora. So, at this point, Sora is now uh, Ventus and Kairi and Sora. Boom. Um, and Blood then twist. <laughs> He's half woman, half man, or two-thirds man. Uh, so Riku joins Maleficent to find Kairi because he cares. Um, he loses to, this is kind of the end of Kingdom Hearts 1. He loses to Sora in Hall of Bastion. And at this point, he's like, he has fully given into the darkness. And he has, that, remember that, he has that darkness blade that brings out the darkness in someone. Yep. And Sora unlocks his heart, basically stabbing himself in the chest, and rips out uh, with the blade, unleashing Kairi and Sora, um, both their hearts. So at this point, he becomes a heartless, and Kairi's pure heart purifies him and makes him a human again. Yeah, as it does. So Ansem (laughs) is at the end of the world. Um, He's defeated by artificial light. Um trying to think so created nobody's are created by sir okay so this point you're um ansem is defeated at the end of the world and defeated by when he opens up the the doorway into kingdom hearts this is at the end of the first game yeah the end of the first game there's like artificial light okay from the uh basically the light versus the dark um, he's defeated that way, and then you see Riku and Mickey. Donald on the oh. other side, or sorry, Mickey on the other side. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Which they're shutting the door. I'm like, oh, we'll help you. Dude, we'll this is why you have to play a fragmentary passage. Like, no, no, no I'm going. The to connection be... between, oh, dude, you just gotta play. No, it. I'll beat you tonight yeah. for sure. Um, that's the only thing you're beating tonight. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Keep no, going. no, 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 no. My plans today are going to be noodles with Lauren after this, gym, and then birth or fragmentary passage. Birth. Birth. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm gonna give birth after this. Are you gonna like my stab water... your heart with a keyblade and re-be, like be reborn? Rip out a female and male soul. Yeah, and then yeah. buy a puppy to help restore the, like the lightness into you or whatever. Yeah, I don't want to bequeath children tonight. Uh, so it's just another Saturday. Yeah. No. Okay, so at this point, nobodies are created from Kyrie and Sora when their souls were ripped down. Okay. And this is Namine, which is Kyrie, and yep. Sora is uh, Re- Roxas. Roxas. These, me being someone who doesn't remember name, trying to like go through and do That's all these convoluted names. Particularly like, freaking why you're doing it. Zemnis, Zigbar, Zaladin, Zexin, <laughs> Lexius, Zexion, Sexist. Donner, Dasher, Blitzen. <laughs> Axel, Demnix, Lexadon. Rudolph, like, Prancer, they're Nixon. Just, they're bullshit names. Okay, so whatever parent names their kid, all this is. So let's see. This is getting into 37 days over two uh, plot line. So nobodies are created for um, Kyrie and Sora. Um, they're part of Organization 13. Um, Sora is asleep in a pod trying to regain his memories after he came back from being a, part, a heartless. <coughs> um, so his memories are going into two people. They're going into Roxas, which is the nobody of um, Sora. Sora. And they're going into Zion, which is this other person, nobody who takes the form. Like, you, they're seen differently. She's seen differently by whoever's perceiving her. Okay. And um, so Sora starts filling up Zion with her his memories faster than... Um, he is Roxas, and this is kind of what Zem or Zemnis is planning as like a, a backup plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of uncool. Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> Diz, I, I almost said dicks again. Uh, saves Kyrie, Kyrie's nobody, and which is Namine, mm-hmm. who was basically helping put Sora's memories into. Roxas and Zion, and they're brought to this mansion in Twilight Town. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so (coughs) Zion's getting memories faster than Roxas. Roxas kills um, Zion. Or Wait, what? No. I said Zemnis. Goes to give memories to attack leader guy. Dude, you can say whatever the heck you want. No one's going to know the difference. Roxas kills Zemnis. Okay. Um, and Roxas goes to give memories um, and attack the leader. So basically, Zion realizes that she... um, Yeah, it's supposed to be Zion. Um, She realizes that she is becoming stronger as Roxas is becoming weaker, and she goes to Namine and is like, hey, if you want to give your memories back, um, you have to like go fuse with Sora. She's like, I'm cool with that. And then Axel was like, yeah, okay. My leaders don't want that. Kidnaps Zion. 
And Zion ends up, this is at the top of the clock tower when they're eating that ice cream, mm-hmm. goes up to Roxas and um, basically walks out all over the ledge and just floating there. Do you remember that scene? No, I do not. Okay, well, she's just sitting there and then she provokes Roxas by attacking him. And they go into battle and Roxas ends up defeating Zion. And as her, like, basically, what's so sad about that storyline is, like, you go through all of these, um, like, instances where Axel and Roxas and Zion are all sitting there together. And then Zion has to provoke this to basically give Sora back his memories. And Roxas kills her and her memories are completely wiped. Like, from Roxas. So Roxas completely forgets Zion. Oh, wow. So as the memories that were basically artificial go back into Sora, Zion is wiped from everyone's memory. Whoa. Which is pretty sad. Um, So that's 358 over two days? Yeah. So (coughs) Roxas goes to give um, memories back to Sora because he's like, yeah, I just killed a friend. Um, But he's attacked by the leader, which is Zemnis. Um, Riku fights, so this is where he's, it's that really cool cutscene where it's Roxas going up to that clock tower to fight, uh, Zemnis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, then he defeats him there and then has to fight Riku. And then he goes, defeats Riku because he's able to harness, uh, fucking the other one, Zarn, uh, what is the little kid's name? Ventus's soul and Sora's soul to dual wield. So okay, he dual gotcha. wields and overpowers. You're gonna have to beat. No, it doesn't matter. Say. It's one. Okay, we'll let, it, we'll let it slide. As long as our listeners don't tag it, we're fine. Okay, as long as you're not so, saying it all the time. Yeah. So he dual wields, beats Riku, and Riku has that like the little mask over his face, like Birdie Box. Yeah, <laughs> Birdie Box. <laughs> and. Uh, then he's like, screw it, I need to help Sora. Takes it off, he embraces the darkness, gets the same thing from Ansem at the beginning of, like, that little heartless dude behind him. Mm-hmm. And then he defeats uh, Roxas and basically takes his corpse back to, let's see, the mansion, I believe. So, let's see, Axel tries to bring him back, combines with Sora, let's see. I... <laughs> Zyx is a dick, is what I have, and gets Kyrie. So there's a blue-haired dude, which is basically the left hand or the right hand dude of Zamnus. Zamnus, okay. Zamnus, like his main, like number two. Got it. And he's kind of a dick and kidnaps Kyrie. If you remember at the end, uh, or kind of midway through Kingdom Hearts two, two? I think. Okay. Um, or no, this is Chain of Memories at this Good point. Lord, uh, find. <laughs> Let's see. They find Ansem the Wise. Uh, the world is attacked by Army of Heartless, as it usually is. Um, and then in the darkness, let's see. In darkness, world sacrifices himself to open the portal. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> so a new Kingdom Heart is basically... Okay, so this is the part where um, Ansem the Wise, basically, he re- like sacrifices himself to... Um, Remember that when the artificial kingdom heart is there in the sky, and um, let's see, Ansem the Wise is like, I think this is it, ghostbustering the moon with that like beam, right, trying to suck out the artificial yeah, yeah. keyblade. Yeah, I, I know you remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So basically, he is trying to suck out the Heartless from that moon, like the artificial Kingdom Heart. Because mm-hmm. that's where they're trying to... I don't know what their end goal is with the artificial Kingdom Heart. I think it is to... It's not really explained why they're making artificial Kingdom Hearts. But um, yeah, he's Ghostbustering, sucking into his thing. And then he... Um, basically, that blows up. And they're attacked when that explodes by the Heartless army. Okay. Right. And um, in, let's see, in darkness, the world, he basically sacrifices himself and opens up the portal. A new kingdom heart nearly complete. Ansem, the wise, is ghostbustering the heart, disappears. And this is, at this point, Riku looks like Ansem from the first game. Like, super tall. Yeah. Super terrifying. And the light from that explosion purifies Riku. And Riku becomes Riku again. Oh my gosh. So then they kill Zan- the leader Zemnis and um, Jiminy Crick. This is, I think, a cutscene in one of the offshoots. But after they kill Zemnis, um, this is both the cutscene of like the final battle and then uh, Riku's cool second fight. Jiminy Cricket is looking at the books and he's remember there's a, ooh, a line that basically says, thank Nomine. Yes. Do you remember he writes that down in Chain of Memories? And then at the end, it says something about um, save the hurting at the very back of it. And he doesn't remember writing that down. So this is where it gets even more convoluted. Um, Like the first Roxas thing, they're in a simulation. And that's why he destroys that computer in Kingdom Hearts 1. Because it's a simulation to hide him from Organization 13. This one, Mickey and freaking Jiminy Cricket go into a data version of themselves. Oh, this is... Okay, so I forgot to put this one on my list. Uh, Kingdom Hearts Recoded. Yeah. So, Recoded is number seven. Actually, you know what? Recoded made n- no sense. They were, like, in a computer. It was really bizarre and weird. But I think I'd put it above Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories because there were some... Whoa. Yeah, there were okay. some interesting parts in the game where... <laughs> You've never played Space Harrier, but it, like it's like this weird first-person on-rails shooter, and there was a a part of that game that was seriously like a, a rail shooter. There was another instance where you fought um, Hades, and it was a turn-based um, RPG. Ah. So as opposed to, of course, the real-time using your keyblade, smacking yeah. the people in the face with your blade, it was a turn-based battle system. Yeah. It was really unique. There were a lot of like really weird... Like, experiments with that game. Okay. Sucked all heck. It was just terrible. But, like, some unique things. So, yeah, I put it on, like, number six on my list. Okay. So, (laughs) why that's important. So, they're data versions of themselves. Um, Basically, Sora is the key to everything um, because of his connections. And this is kind of one of the main plot points, I think, is in Kingdom Hearts 3, or one starting point, is... He has a connection to the the three people, to Aqua, Ventus, and Terra, because Ventus' soul is inside of himself. He has connections to Namine, to um, Roxas, because Roxas is technically the nobody of him. And then he has connections to um, freaking Kyrie, Riku, and I think that's it. But Yeah, well, um, you know what? On LinkedIn, I have over a thousand connections, so what up? <laughs> yeah. Get on my level, Sora. Basically, he's the the end thing is he must save the hurting, which is like Aqua is currently in the darkness. Roxas or uh, Ventus is inside of himself, and Terra is uh, somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. That was kind of unclear. 
Um, Xehanort's heartless and nobody are destroyed. And this is also explained in that game. Um, so that once, I guess they come up with this idea that once you're heartless and your nobody are explained, you can take human form again. Sure. Cool. So that means that Master Xehanort, old, decrepit, bald dude, can now become a person again. It's like, mm. oh, shit. Um, so Aqua finds Ansem, the wise, in the darkness, and they're just chilling on a beach. Um, and as Ansem, the wise, memory fades, and she's ba- he's basically like, yo, there's this person. He can wield Keyblade. He's cool. And he's, she's, he's talking about Sora and gives Aqua Sora's name. So at this point, once Ansem... Or organization thirteen is revived because their nobodies and their heartless were killed, which is the concept that Xehanort's thing is. Um, Brig and Zyax are missing, ha ha, and um, they want to. Uh, so, Riku and Sora at this point, this is one of those spinoff games, want to become Blade Masters. Okay, this is probably Dream Drop Distance. Yeah, Dream Drop Distance. I think that's the uh, balloon game, right? Yeah. Dude, are we getting near the end here? Yeah, I have like six more bullet points. Oh my gosh. So this is like the stuff leading up to Kingdom Hearts 3. Yeah, no, they're training for the Mark of Mastery exam. Yeah, essentially. And like the beginning stuff is important because you basically explain who Xehanort is, Mm -hmm. the main overarching villain. And this is kind of shit's hitting the fan now that... You've defeated him essentially twice, two reiterations of himself, but now you're getting to the main one. Okay. So you've killed his nobody, you've killed his heartless, one and two final bosses. Now now that he you killed both of those, you revived him essentially. So uh, Minnie is kidnapped, Axel's uh, human wants to be a blade master, so this is Lee. So he goes to that blue wizard guy and he's like, yo, I want to be a blade master. Yeah, he wants Who, to... Dude, was voiced by, um, I think, not Leonard Nimoy. I think it was Leonard Nimoy. That's cool. Maybe that was Zane. Didn't Leonard Nimoy die? Yeah, he did, but someone was... Keep talking. You're thinking... I'm thinking, um, was it Sauron? Was, um... The, him. Diz. He, he... Yeah, he voiced, yeah, character two. Um, yeah. So, let's see. At this point... This is like where you see all those 13 chairs. Mm-hmm. Um, young Master Xehanort. I don't know. Corey Burton. I don't even know who the heck that is. Yeah, I don't know who that is either. Um, so at this point, young Xehanort is time traveling with the same dude on the beach way back in the day. Okay. And who was tasked with from the dude in the hood at the very beginning. Yeah. With gathering people to basically create Organization 13. Um, he time travels. At this point, Z- Master Xehanort is back, being a bro, putting his souls, like his heart, into people. Okay. Like making them the Organization 13 that they he originally wanted back in the day. Um, organization 13, is, you find out, is headed, or like the main players are Master Xehanort, Brig, who had... Or, Zigbar, who has Xehanort's soul in him. Brig is his, like, human form. Um, young Xehanort, Heartless Xehanort, and Xemnas. So, like, all the form... Basically, Master Xehanort could have a foursome with purely just himself. Wow. And it would be... Like, there's four of them running around. So, um, let's see. Zora to merge the hearts. 
Zora, Zora. Zora. What did I? Zora. Zora. Who the heck is that? Like some like. No, it's a. Zora, I think, is um. The water temple queen. Well, there's that, and then there's like Zora Magnaros, which is a boss in Kingdom or in uh, Monster Hunter World. Oh my gosh. Um. So this is I have like four more. So Sora to merge the hearts. Um. Ventus. Oh, okay. So this point, Sora gets attacked, and his heart is fractured because he's like resisting. Xehanort trying to put his soul in Sora to okay. become basically the Roxas equivalent on that, the chairs. And he resists, but his heart is like weakened. And uh, Ventus, whose soul is in there, basically protects him and puts on his like Keyblade armor. So at this point, he has armor. Um, Riku's out there sealing the holes. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, it said, I don't know where that came from, but it was like, he seals seven holes, and I was like, "Cool, good for him, getting lucky." So, master, <laughs> uh, like the master Xehanort's goal was to create thirteen darknesses to battle the seven lights to create the X Blade and start up the war. So that's the main motivation between the villain or for the villain in Kingdom Hearts three. Okay, is like if you learn nothing from this ramble, it's Master Xehanort, the bald dude from who's been kind of controlling all of this from the very beginning his main goal now is to create 13 darknesses organization 13 that house himself to battle the seven lights which are whether it's it's going to be like roxas or no sorry not roxas aqua ventus terra um it's three sora mickey riku and kairi um so that's seven so um seven holes so this is in the balloon game Sora, where they wanted to become masters um sora failed at becoming a master because he gave into the darkness within that game and riku became a master um out of the two of them because he ended up giving up his darkness midway through the plot line um riku did riku did okay and at this point you see uh Axel show up and he's like, yeah, I want to train and become a thing. Um, and you see Axel or Lee, his per, Axel's person, uh, wield a keyblade. And it's a really cool, like, fire keyblade. It looks this awesome. What game? Dream Drop Distance? I think it's in Fragmentary Passage, which is the one that leads up to three. I don't know about like that. The very, Dream Drop Distance, honestly. One of them. This yeah. is like the stuff that directly leads up to it okay. in the plot line, or at least in a linear plot line. Um, so they need seven guardians, which I just listed, Aqua, Ventus, Terra, Sora, Riku, Mickey, Ka- Riku, and then they introduce, Kyrie shows up to train, and Kyrie is the seventh one. So Rik- Riku and Mickey go off to get Aqua out of the distance, which is that blue wizard guy, Sid, whatever, his direction. Um, Sora, Donald, and Mickey show up. And Sora, after basically has he's been stripped of all of his powers after the whole Organization Thirteen dude trying to put his heart into him, he's weakened from that point uh, where he got protected by Ventus's armor. Um, he's stripped of all of his powers, and he needs basically he's like you need to visit someone who's had that same thing happen. The person who has that happen is Hercules, where he's stripped of all of his godhood. Oh, yeah. how do you deal with that? Like kind of thing. So the end of whatever game that is. Sora is getting in his gummy ship to go 
and find Hercules to explain how he gets his powers back. Well, that's probably why Olympus Colosseum was so heavily marketed with Kingdom Hearts 3 then, because that's probably where the game's going to start. Yeah, that's where you just got in the gummy ship, you just opened up a portal, and you're about to head to Olympus Colosseum to understand how Sora gets his powers back to fight Organization 13 and Master Xehanort. Well, that all made perfect sense. I don't know why everyone's crying about it. (laughs) After two hours of research. Yeah. Yeah, so it's actually less convoluted when you go through it linear. linear, I know what you're trying to say. In a linear linear, fashion. In a linear fashion, because of how all the games came out, they are so jumbled in the timeline. Like, Birth by Sleep is the first one in there. Mm -hmm. You have to, like, the main villain is explained, what, after two is when Birth by Sleep came out? Yeah. So, if you put in a linear fashion, basically over, like, what was that? His main points, Master Xehanort's the bad guy. He has a heartless and nobody, which you defeat at the end boss of one and two. Now that those are defeated, he's able to come back, and he wants to create the X-Blade to start up the Keyblade War that he was a part of originally. King Tom- Kingdom Hearts 3, January 29th. What's up? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're excited. But I think now that we've completely digested the story <laughs> for Kingdom Hearts, yeah. thoroughly... Pause it I- for 10 minutes. Go relax a bit. Thoroughly, it's, I might say. Yeah, have plot. a cup of tea, you know. Yeah. Get in your zen state. Maybe do some yoga poses or something. Get some eggnog. Yeah, calm down, people. That's a little stressful. Stressful for me. I'm sweating over here. But Ryan, why don't we talk about what we're excited about <laughs> as Kingdom Hearts 3 is just over the horizon here. Um, So you've watched a few trailers. I'm excited for a Toy Story. Yeah, me too. Um, seeing the combat in that Toy Story area playing on the front front lawns and then basically going to the toy shop where Zerg is. I don't know if Zerg's going to be in it, but like those machines, it looks like Titanfall, you know, mm-hmm. where you jump in those machines and you're like in a cockpit. Yeah. That looked really cool. I'm excited to see how they wrap up the storyline or where they go from there. Um, since I didn't play any of these storylines, I never got to play, play with Master Xehanort. I never got to experience his character. Mm-hmm. So seeing him, with the upgraded graphics and getting to play alongside Axel again or Lee will be great. Yeah. The combat also is super fast paced and it looks like they're doing a lot more of those combo type moves. Yeah. Um, where it's, whether it's a train going to the place, which I reference a lot, but you, there's like one where your keyblade becomes a gun, like that kind of stuff looks amazing. Yeah. I'm definitely looking for like combat enhancements and just, again, all the crazy acrobatic type stuff. Um, I think they really need to enhance, like, the summoning system. Yeah. Um, make that more of a almost priority in battle. Like, you need, not need to, but it's just more of a, um, the kind it of... It does a, more damage or incentivizes. Exactly. Um, some of the bullet points that I have, you know, I, I just don't want, again, it's going to happen. We just talk for 40 freaking minutes about how insane the story is. But I just don't want it to be completely nonsensical to the point where, like, the credits roll, and I'm just like, what the literal F did I just watch? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think we need some some sort of um, conclusivity. Is that a word? Yeah, conclusion. Yeah, yeah it's just that one that makes some kind of sense. Like, I don't want to have to go to, like, Google mm-hmm. and say, you know, try to or help me understand what the heck just happened. Um, I, you know, I talked about it earlier. Forget the spirits. Like, if I summon a spirit, sure, that's great. Donald and Goofy... And companions from the Disney movies is like, why you're there? Or get the heck out, you know? Like that's my my motto with that. Um, I also want I think is, you know, one of the biggest things about Kingdom Hearts that they kind of 
um, marketed was the fact that there were going to be Final Fantasy characters in this world mashed together with Disney characters. Yeah. And I think as we've kind of gotten further down the line with Kingdom Hearts 2, Birth by Sleep, all these other games, you've really gotten away from the Final Fantasy involvement. And I want to see that return here with with this game. Like, if Lightning makes an appearance, I think that would be amazing. Um, like, yeah. hell, let me fight Sephiroth, like, with Cloud as a companion. Like, if I could have... We have Disney companions, right? We have, you know, Tarzan and Hercules and all these other people that are great companions because, again, I love the Disney movies. Yeah. But if I could fight alongside, like, Vivi or Cloud or Lightning or some of these iconic Final Fantasy characters... Yeah, Cloud's already in the universe, so... I mean... Yeah. You, we've already seen Cloud as a character, mm-hmm. so it wouldn't be too difficult. I think it'd be amazing. I think, you know, I think that would just be really um, interesting. And at the end of the day, I know Kingdom Hearts is going to be a delight for me to play, and more re- for more reasons than one. Um, but I really just want to be royally surprised, like completely wowed, make my jaw drop. It's going to inevitably make me cry at the, the title screen. Um, and I'm, yeah, my other hope, and this is not like a out of dislike for the character, but I kind of want Riku to die. Like, I want there to be Dude, some... Dude, he's the greatest. I know, and that's why. I want there to be, be like some emotional weight to the story, and I don't think that's going to happen unless there's some kind of sense of sacrifice, you know? Do you want um, Donald or Goofy to die? I think one of them dying, too, would be crazy. It would be, and I think it's it'd be tough just because, again, like, Kingdom Hearts isn't canon in the Disney universe, so if Mickey died, like, it's not like... Mickey's forever no longer the mascot for Disney. Um, but I feel like Riku, he is probably my favorite character. Um, but I feel like he's also the most vulnerable to sacrifice him, fa- sacrificing himself in some kind of redemption story. Because mm-hmm. I think if you look at his character, he's probably had the most growth. And yeah, the greatest story arc from beginning to end here. Mm-hmm. And I think to see him go completely into the darkness be consumed by it, be restored from other wacky story plot that you explained earlier, and then to eventually, at the end of all things here, this Keyblade War sacrifices himself would be really pretty powerful. Well, I think it's the equivalent of Sora and probably not to this scale, but uh, Riku is to Sam Gamgee as Frodo is to Sora. Mm -hmm. If I mean... You could argue that the Lord of the Rings is not so much about the ring bearer, but it's about the people, the companions. And Riku's always had Sora's back the same way Sam had Frodo's back. I mean, Aragorn's always been my favorite character, but there's no denying that Sam is definitively the most important character. Yeah. I mean, Tolkien has actually said that. He's, He's taken him through the darkness. He's dealt with the darkness. He was he bore the ring when uh, Frodo couldn't. And he, car- he quite literally carried literally him carried up him. the mountain of Mount Doom. Yeah. Like, so I, I, I think playing on that kind of equivalency, yeah, Riku is probably the most important. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be sad to see him die because he's my favorite. And I don't think there'd be any wait for Kyrie dying just because you haven't seen her, like, ever. Yeah. Like, this is the first game where she's actually going to have a prominent role and appearance in the game other than just backstory, oh, Kyrie's been stolen, <laughs> she's off somewhere, we got to go find her. Yeah, and she's been more of, like, a friend. The I think the yeah, it's between Sora and... Riku. And I just don't see the title character dying. dying Because, like, I like Sora, but he's just not my favorite. Like, not even close. No, Riku's so much more relatable as a character. Yeah. Like, you have to, I guess, having your friend's heart stolen and, like, losing friends and stuff is trying. But 
Riku's the one who's battled the darkness and gone through real shit. Mm-hmm. Like, what, he's turned into Ansem? Like, he's been consumed by the soul of, like, this evil person? Yeah. Like, turning pure darkness, then turning pure light. I mean, that's a lot of growth as a character. No, I agree. I, uh, I'm excited. I mean, I, I really cannot even... Like, I tweeted about it the other night that I cannot even believe that in a couple weeks' time, I'm going to be playing a game that, for the longest time, I thought the game was never going to come out because um, I had every reason to believe that. It was in development hell forever. There was so little publicity from Namara about the development of the game (coughs) that, yeah, I never thought it was going to see the the light of day. Yeah, uh, I ended up looking it up for the first time we saw it, and it was the E3 trailer at 2015. Okay. So it's even been three years since then. And it wasn't even until this past year where we, it was, they were heavily releasing trailers and screenshots. Mm-hmm. I mean, a good two and a half years, it was there was just nothing. Yeah. And, like, that first one was where we saw Riku and... Or... Not Riku playing chess. It's, like, Xehanort and his bro friend playing chess, mm-hmm. talking about, like, darkness. And then we got to see the Colosseum for the first time. Yeah. And, like, the train ride and fighting Colossus and, like, a... Uh, teacup ride yeah and then the next trailer we see is in 2016 Hmm. like more like half a year later yeah so it's been a long time coming not so like obviously since the kingdom hearts 2 but like even since we've seen the first trailer it's been two and a half years yeah yeah i know it's 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 been a wild development run i think it's gonna be everything i hoped for and more uh like i spoke about on the podcast previously, I've really gone out of my way to stray away from news as best I can. When it's like the main headline on news sites, it's tough to not see that. And there's you're going to be in the Toy Story world, but yeah, like I went through and watched the trailers, and like I avoided all the stuff with Organization Thirteen people. Like I fast forwarded those, but like showing the actual world and the combat, I was fine with because I we already knew most of those worlds that were in there, at least the trailers. <coughs> but there's spoilers out already. Oh, yeah. Well, there's actually... Like, full leaks. Well, yeah, no, because, I mean, someone got copies early. Yeah. And they were releasing it online, and Namora made a statement basically saying, like, don't ruin this for people. Yeah. Um, and so, so help me, like, because didn't you say you you were reading somewhere that at the premiere of Harry Potter, someone got a book early and was just running through the aisles basically saying, like, Snape kills Dumbledore, Snape kills yeah. Dumbledore. Like, oh, it's Deathly Hallows. Yeah. The release of that book or something like that. Or not Deathly House, Half-Blood Prince, sorry. Half-Blood, yeah. The Harry Potter friends just freaking got their Gmails open. We're getting ready to rip me a new one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's... I mean, with such a long, like, a real-time timeline of when these games came out in, like, the childhood, having someone ruin that for you would really suck. Yeah, it'd be horrible. Um, I'm really excited for... Like, I played this game... Not so much for the combat. It's more to play with Disney characters and for the plot. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's obviously a single-player game, so the plot is important. Yeah. Convoluted, but important. No, absolutely. And I think one other thing before we kind of, you know, end it here is I think, because the trailer kind of alluded to it, I feel like Aqua is going to be going through kind of the same experience that Riku did, like, through Kingdom Hearts 1, where she's going to be kind of tempted to this this darkness. Yeah. Because um, she's currently in the dark world. And, like, Mickey and 
Riku were tasked to get her out. Mm-hmm. And they, the Sid, whatever, was gave them specific clothes to or like outfits to get her out. Which is probably just the black veils, which would be awesome. Because mm-hmm. making a black veil is cool. Um, but yeah, Riku actually got really pissed that they're like, you didn't tell me that Aqua saved us and has been sitting in the darkness realm. Like, Mickey didn't, like, got mad at Mickey. He's like, we didn't want to tell you until we knew a way to get her out safely. Mm. So. You know, I'm I'm jumping, yeah, out of my seat here, waiting for this game to arrive. Uh, January 29th, cannot come soon enough. I hope all of you will join us in playing the game if you have the means to. I know Alec out there is a huge fan of the Kingdom Hearts games. Um, Jenny, um, Johnny Depp fan, back on the YouTube days, she's actually going to give birth to her first child like days after the release nice so, so might... you can neglect that child for kingdom hearts <laughs> so, no um i'm actually really happy for her but anyways lots of people i know have been waiting for this game i hope if if any of you are fans of the series um please play along with us and then we can have kind of a spoiler cast after ryan gets back from japan to kind of really um what do we want to do like two three weeks after yeah kind of di- have a chance for people to play it dissect the story with you guys um, what we liked, what we didn't like, whether or not it's going to be conclusive or not, or whether we should expect Kingdom Hearts 4 in about 45 years. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Ryan, anything else to add to this episode? No, we're. I'm super excited. Um, I, I hope they wrap things up in a good manner. I mean, with so many years of expectation, it's if they don't end on a high note, it'll be disappointing, but I don't expect that at all. No. I expect them to be just as convoluted and just as creative and diving into these newer storylines. Yeah. Newer Disney movies will be great. My last hope is that the worlds that have been shown off so far, Ryan, what's the total count there? Um, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, or a half, six, seven, eight, nine. Basically nine and then some mini games and like a half. I hope those nine worlds is only half of what we can expect. I hope they're yeah. at least... And the, oh, in the trailer, they showed the gummy ships. Yeah, well, the gummy ship looks awesome, I think. It does. Yeah, it looks like almost like a crazy game in and of itself, like a yeah. shooting game. And I guess the half is like, never mind, I'm not going to spoil that, but like little minier games that mm. you can do. And I'm still holding out hope that we're going to see Star, Star Wars. Wars. Yeah, because freaking lightsaber keyblade. Can you imagine? Dude, make it happen. Yeah, I, I do hope that they do some like RPG elements, like to be able to customize. Because I like certain Keyblade designs more so than others. So like so, Dark Souls, where you can like plus one the weapon. Yeah, like upgrade them a bit so I can use any Keyblade. Like if I want to use the Keyblade, the entire game, like the the iconic Sora Keyblade, I can. Mm-hmm. Or if I like freaking pirate ship Keyblade, I could use that. No, I, I think that's definitely not. Um... I think that's plausible. Yeah. So. All right. We've gone on about Kingdom Hearts long enough. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm sorry if you were, like, drooling over yourselves after Ryan just explained the, in the entirety of Kingdom Plot Hearts. Bomb. But uh, you're not alone. You're not alone. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next episode. See you. Later. Later.